fluctuating electric quantity. K-U-S-O. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. One minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of July. When is it still July? It is still July, is it not? July 30th, yes. uh, 2009. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. Beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the uh, Rick Emerson excursion into whimsy. We appreciate your uh, radio uh, patronage and presence on this Thursday morning. If you'd like to join us, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. At uh, some point this, uh, this morning, some point before 9 a.m., we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Star Wars in concert. Uh, tickets go on sale for that this Saturday, but we're going to give away a pair of those at some point today. Also, Kelly Clark from uh, the Willamette Week will join us today with an exciting installment of Food Porn. Coming up this hour at uh, 5.40. 5.40 this hour, we will encore our uh, exclusive feature interview with Nikki Six uh, from Motley Crue. We have uh, another exciting uh, update on Hotpocalypse 2009 coming up here in just moments. Uh, what else is happening today? We have a uh, four-pack of tickets to the Demolition Derby we're going to be giving away as well. Because that is what America is all about. Good morning, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Good morning. Doing well. Are I'm you excited. really... Yeah. Are you doing well? Are you I, doing well because you're in an air-conditioned building at long last? I am. Well, I felt bad for my sister because uh, my sister and her boyfriend are staying at my house. That's got to be fun. Well, and I have the air conditioner in my room, which is glorious for me, but um, the rest of my apartment is about 100 degrees. Did you offer so, to let them sleep in the floor of your bedroom? No, I did. Well, as soon as I left, I'm just like, you guys can go in my room. I'm like, you guys can go sleep in there, and they're, they're just like, thank you, thank you. They're like sweating in my living room. Now, see, I would have thought that just, uh, I mean, it's weird because her boyfriend's there and all, but I would have thought that maybe you would have said, no, 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 you can always sleep sleep on the floor of my bedroom if you like. I don't really have room on my floor though for them. All right, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, so they're in my living room, but uh, but they moved to my bedroom so after I left. It's 100 degrees in your apartment? Yes. Which doesn't even seem real. It was I had this uh there's a little thing on my on my computer where on the on the desktop where you click on the desktop and it shows you the date, uh the time and the temperature and then the temperature for the next day and the next day. Anyway, so I click on it on yesterday, and it says, you know, Thursday's going to be 98, and, you know, Friday's going to be 95 or whatever. But then right in the center of the screen, it shows in just huge, like, 90-point type, whatever the current temperature is outside. And yesterday at around, I don't know, 2 o'clock or something, it's at 110 degrees. And I kept staring at it because it just seemed like it had to be a mistake. It just, I mean, even having been outside, I mean, even knowing logically, intellectually that that was true, it just didn't seem possible. And I kept looking at it, and I did this thing where I looked at it, and I clicked away. And then I came back, and I looked at it, and I clicked away. I did it like three, four, five times in a row just thinking, it doesn't seem possible that it could actually be 110. Maybe if I maybe if I come back and surprise the maybe if I catch it off guard, it will actually show me a lower number of some kind. But that was, And then it was an all-breakfast cereal uh, night at my house, because there was no way. It wasn't even that I didn't want to cook anything. Like, I didn't want to put anything in my body that was hot. I just... 
I was so carefully maintaining my body because, you know, at, at my house, like a lot of places, I have one air conditioner for one room at a time. And that's it. And I have more than one air conditioner, but I can't run more than one air conditioner. So I got to pay. And here's the other thing is there's like this crossover period, too, where I have the air conditioner in the living room, air conditioner in the bedroom. But it's not like I can just switch from one to the other when I go to bed or when I get up. Because otherwise, you know, because you know how it is. is you go to your bedroom's basically been baking in the sun all day. So it takes like a good two hours. You know, even if you have air conditioning, it's not like you turn it on and immediately uh, everything has been lowered to 68 degrees everywhere in the in the place. You got to turn on the air conditioner, and I'd say you got to let the air conditioner run full blast like 90 minutes before it even takes things down to an appreciable level. So I'm getting ready to go to bed at like, I don't know, 9, 9.30. So around 7, I have to start shutting off the air conditioning in the rest of the house, then turn it on in the bedroom, and then it's just... And then you have two hours where it's comfortable nowhere at all, mm-hmm. where the air conditioning is off in the living room, and that cool goes away immediately. That gets leached out of the house within like you know, 15 minutes, and yet the bedroom is still stifling because it takes 90 minutes to take the edge off the heat. So you're just sort of sitting there trying not to move, trying not to burn calories of any kind, trying not to expend any sort of energy... I'm thinking to yourself, all right, I have to eat, or I'm just going to fall over, and they're going to find my bloated body tomorrow. What can I ingest that doesn't require any sort of heat at all? I think I have some granola in the cupboard. And so that's just moving as slowly and deliberately as possible to the kitchen, and just, just like the massive bowl of terrible sugar-filled uh, granola last night. So anyway, so that was, my, that was an exciting and fun-packed evening at the Emerson Hustle. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. The Rick Emerson Show's non-stop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 5.05. An excessive heat warning remains in effect. Portland topped out at 106 degrees yesterday. Just one degree short of breaking the record. We get another chance today. Once again, the prediction is... 110. Uh, but that's almost, predi- that no. one was promised no. yesterday. They, they let us down. What? We're getting another chance today. 110. <laughs> Beat 110. Do we win something? No. We just win death. Yes. Uh, the, the, I, uh, wait, is that, is that your Blackberry making that noise? Yes, yes, I've got the sounds of Hey, do, let me ask you this. Do you have different uh, ringtones for different things on your phone? No, I haven't figured out how to do that. Oh, I can show you how to do. You okay. got to do that. That's a that's the that's the greatest time saving thing because then you know who to ignore. I mean, the answer is usually everybody. But I but I have uh, I was talking to Greg about this. It's like I have like you have your own ringtone, which is the Adam Lambert thing. Uh, I uh, Lara has a ringtone. There's a ringtone. I have one ringtone for my office email. I have a sound effect for uh it, like my uh it, my uh, Outlook Portland email. I have a sound effect for like, uh, you know, for like if I get email that uh, that is flagged as like, uh, you know, important or something. That way you don't even have to look at your phone. If it just makes it like you just hear the noise coming from the phone and you, without even looking at it, sometimes you know if you can safely ignore it. Oh, uh, I always look at it. <laughs> Here's the weird thing, though, because the BlackBerry comes with like, I don't know, 50 different presets and tones and noises and buzzers and beeps and bongs and whatever. Um, and so occasionally you will be... And this probably happens to everybody who has whatever kind of phone. But you'll be in the office, and somewhere in the office, somebody's BlackBerry will make noise. And it's a ringtone that you use for something specific on your phone. And then you get this weird Pavlovian reaction where somebody in the office just gets, you know, they get a phone call from somebody. And immediately I feel like I've got a package from Amazon.com waiting for me. So let's back up for a second about this temperature business. It was supposed to be 100 and... A promise was broken yesterday. Let's back up even further. Yes. 
100 degrees was the expectation. Then they kept raising. It was like 103, 105, 107. Right. And yesterday they said it was going to be 110. Now, according to the, the, the whatever, the, the, uh, the, the thermometer on my computer, it was 110 yesterday. But you're saying it was only 100 and what? Six? 106. It may have been 110 in your computer. Okay, but today, sons of bitches, today they said it was going to be down to like 98. In fact, that was when I, uh, when I left the house. Laura that was going totally to bed. Wrong. Who made that prediction? I, 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 people. People. The, people. the guy. <laughs> the, the, they. Because as I was leaving, uh, leaving the house this morning, I said to Lara, my last words were, you know, hey, enjoy it. It's only going to be 98 degrees. Wah, wah, wah. Which and doesn't I just, seem like much anymore. No, I that's, You know what it is? It's like, it seems actually cool. Right it's now. like swinging six bats in the on-deck circle. You know what I mean? It's uh, like the America of yesteryear. <laughs> How nostalgic we are. I, uh, hold on. I'm going to check right now and see what this damn program says. Hold on. Let's see. Okay, so according to this, according to my uh, my computer, okay, they the the computer. First of all, uh, my the my Mac desktop claims it's seventy three right now. Claims it's going to be a high of a hundred hundred and one. It was supposed to dip below a hundred today, and that you're saying a hundred and ten. Are you sure? Now let me. I don't mean to impugn your news gathering abilities, but occasionally on three different sources I checked, they said one hundred ten. All right. So there's really no there's no hope of any kind, is there? No. That was yesterday's prognostication, and they're reissuing it today. Okay. Well, there you go. Seattle broke their record yesterday. They hit 103. Yeah, good. It's about time something bad happened to them. Oh, we have a second hotpocalypse center, Sarah. Uh, It's A-Hot 2. We got that. What is that one? So we we should play that one right now. Just to say, here, let's do this. Let's just do like a, a dry run with this. We'll play the second hot apocalypse sounder. Tim, just give one sentence of bad weather news. Just give one sentence. It's like a bad prediction. And then we'll see how it all rolls. Okay, ready? Sarah, three, two, one. Yeah. Hot apocalypse 2009. Nonstop coverage all morning long. Awesome. Local stores warn there'll be no more air conditioners available for weeks to come. Don't even ask. <laughs> Just on, as, a, as a goof, I called uh, one of the, uh, the major department stores here in Portland yesterday, and I said... Hey, uh, do you guys uh, have an air conditioner in stock? And the guy just laughed and hung up the phone. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't even say. He didn't even talk. He didn't go. No, no, maybe in the future, sir. Maybe if uh, Monsieur would like to come back in three weeks. He just. I said, "Do you have any air conditioner?" He goes, "No, we don't." Click. And that was it. That was the end of the call. All right. Well, on that note, don't forget. Uh, coming up later on this hour, five forty today, we will have our feature exclusive interview with Nikki Six. We'll have an encore of that interview. Uh, Kelly Clark will be here for more Lambert Week with food porn and Facebook poetry coming up at eight o'clock this morning. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. Emerson Show continues next. Goddamn dog dedication! Get me my photos! Only on Rock 101 KUFO. Indeed. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday morning. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at 540. Encore presentation of our feature interview with Nikki Six from Motley Crue. So that'll be coming up, uh, I don't know, about uh, 20 minutes from now. All right, I just posted this to my uh, to my Twitter feed. I can't believe I didn't mention this at the top of the hour, but with all the uh, all the heat and whatnot. So as posted to my Twitter feed and my Facebook page just now, I'll just read this directly uh, off the screen. I wrote, please tell me, please, 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 somebody tell me that somebody got a picture of the 
Caution, zombie stripper warning on the ODOT sign by the lucky devil on Powell. So there's one of those big, huge electronic reader boards that they use to say, like, uh, road work and construction and, like, careful lane closures. So if you're driving over the Ross Island Bridge this morning, if you're heading uh, west on the Ross Island Bridge, right as you get to the Lucky Devil, which is at McLaughlin and Powell, someone has uh, changed that reader board to where it now flashes and it says, Caution, Zombie Strippers. And I drove by that, and I can't believe I didn't mention it earlier, but I... also, my I have the one BlackBerry that does not have a camera on it. Uh, I have the uh, the eighty eight thirty, which is a great phone, but it doesn't. The one thing it lacks is a camera. Or I would have gotten a a picture of that this morning and stuck it up there. But so someone so it was above Powell. It's it's right at, it's right outside uh, uh, the Lucky Devil. Okay, uh, which is at Powell and McLaughlin. Right as you're going over, if you're going west on the uh, on Powell, right as you get to the Ross Island Bridge. Uh, you know where if you were coming the other way, you'd be taking that that branch off the, to McLaughlin. Right as you're coming over there, it is directly outside the Lucky Devil uh, Strip Club, and it's just it's just one of those you know one of those reader boards you see everywhere where it says like congestion, smog warning, please use left lane only. Except this morning, as of about oh I don't know four uh, fifteen at least, it said caution zombie strippers. So uh, please, if there was a photograph taken of that, uh, please now to be sending to me. That's uh, Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. One other brief note, and then we'll go to the news desk with Tim Riley. We have not one, not two, but three uh, guests coming up in the next few days that we will uh, be revealing as the morning goes on. One, we just got confirmed. Like Moments ago, Greg came in and gave us another verbal confirmation on this. I wanted to wait and get it confirmed twice before we announced it. That's uh, very exciting. So that's that's coming up uh, tomorrow. We'll announce it later today. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. And shows nonstop coverage of Hotpocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center downtown Portland. It is now 5:22. An extensive, extensive heat warning remains in effect. We topped out at 106 degrees today, just one degree short of breaking the record. We get another chance today. We can do it. Today, once again, the prediction is 110. I know they said that yesterday, but we're getting another chance. You know, this is just this is just going to be one of those things that goes on forever and ever and ever, where they're going to keep escalating, and they're going to keep raising it. The next thing you know, the Earth is just going to uh, turn into some huge cindering ball of flames, like a bad Keanu Reeves film. This is clearly the beginning of the end. We are in the... Fu- Has anybody considered the fact that maybe uh, this is also a massive publicity stunt for that 2012 movie where they've got the, where they've got the oh, ship the- falling into the White House? With the lights still on? Because was it, uh, who was it that was telling us the story about Paul McCartney hiring helicopters to move the clouds when, and I know this sounds insane because I haven't given the explanation of it, Sarah was there, was it, was it Art that was telling us the story? Art Webb? Yes, yes, I believe so. Okay, let me back up for a second. At Crewfest. At Crewfest. We were uh, between Godsmack and Motley Crue. We were just kind of sitting around talking. And I, I forget exactly how it came up. But I guess Paul McCartney was playing. We were talking about bands getting fined for playing past their curfew. Because like at the Amphitheater of Clark County, there's a certain time where the county, you have to shut things down. If, yeah. you, play, if you play it later than that, they'll, they'll fine you. But I guess Paul McCartney at one point, he paid $400,000 to have uh, like helicopters or weather uh, weather planes of some kind go up. And they did something or other. They went up essentially with huge fans, and they blew the cloud cover away from, like, over... Too from bad up, they didn't do that up there when from, you were there. From above 
from above one of his concerts because they was threatening to rain. And so McCartney's like, no problem, love. Do you have do you have planes to go up and you know, to, to, to deal with that? And I guess there is some kind of plane where they go up and it's a mixture of they release some kind of chemical and then they have like a big sort of blowy thing. Anyway, and it blows the clouds away, but it costs literally like $600,000. And McCartney was just like, no problem. Put it on my Onyx card. Um and which which is really just you know sort of astounding. So I wonder if maybe all of this is because of the new Roland Emmerich film. They've just decided to start screw. They've just raised the temperature everywhere on the earth by thirty degrees to promote the new movie. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, there are problems in Colombo, Washington. They're running out of water. Too many people using it, drinking it. Colombians are urged to find water elsewhere. Meanwhile, McMinnville police are warning residents of a cougar sighting. Somebody took pictures of the wild beast sauntering near the city's airport. Did not feed it or give it water. Yes? Nothing. Nothing. I just, I always, because Sarah put it in my head now, I always just picture uh, Lucille Bluth. Uh, I'm picturing like a panting middle-aged lady. With like a half-empty martini glass and like a bad string of pearls and a dress that's a little torn. You know, because she fell down some stairs somewhere. You know, just sort of like, where's that sweet young thing that was here earlier? Authorities have taken a compact disc. From the Las Vegas home of Michael Jackson's personal daughter, plus a doctor and personal daughter. <laughs> daughter, it must be the heat the Los Angeles Times reports. A source familiar with this week's search says the disc was marked Omar Arnold. It wasn't marked Joseph Scruz? No. Okay. These, th- those are separate records. These are Omar Arnold's and appear to be records of an electrocardiogram that Dr. Conrad Murray performed on Jackson when the singer lived in Vegas. Jackson often used the name Omar Arnold in dealing with health care issues. Wait a minute, so Omar Arnold and not, I repeat, not Joseph Scruz. Can we have Omar Arnold appearing in commercials for the new health care system? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't Omar Arnold sound like a, like a charming little kid that would be in a McDonald's commercial? Mm-hmm. He'd be like a sort of a Rodney Allen Rippy kind of a thing. Oh, with the big glasses. Omar. You know, yeah, and he would just... And the ketchup he, dripping down his chin. <laughs> sort of, you know, he would sort of be, uh, he would, uh, he would be, uh, uh, he would be wise and be able to, uh, he would be, uh, he'd be witty kind of beyond his years. And then later he'd be hanging out in rehab with Adam Rich or something. Well, the newspaper says shortly before the 50-year-old pop singer died, he used the name to get at least one prescription filled. In search warrants for Murray's home authorities say they're looking for medical files, billing records, and other things relating to Jackson and 19 other possible fake names, which include Omar Arnold. And also Joseph Scruz. Incidentally, I saw this thing on Anderson Cooper the other night where they were, I guess, and we had a little bit of a report on this, but this is a Jackson... The 911 call was at like, I don't know, like 1130 West Coast time or something where they called, you know, they're like, hey, we got this guy here. He's, 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 he's not breathing and, you know, living and everything. So please come out here. But I guess like three hours before that, uh, there was a bunch of people who went out to the doctor's personal, like his storage unit yes, or whatever. And we have varying uh, conflicting reports of what happened there. And so at least one of the reports says that they were just carrying out crates of documents mm-hmm. that a bunch of women were sent, like his female assistants, some some female assistants of his. Uh, were sent out to his storage unit, and the manager of the storage unit was like, yeah, they all came out at like 9.30, and they were carrying crates of papers out to the car and then speeding away with them. And the thing is, that was like hours before the 911 call. So the theory is, just a theory, the theory is that Jackson died like way before they called 911, and that they delayed it long enough to go and get rid of some things, uh, which is creepy and entirely plausible in my opinion. Well, there are conflicting reports. For instance, there's LaQuisha Middleton, and her sister Laquanda Price. Laquisha and Laquanda. 
They both worked for Dr. Murray at the time. LaQuisha is the office manager. LaQuanda was laid off. LaQuanda sounds like an airline that I would fly somewhere that I don't want to go. Where people are paid $9 an hour. (laughs) Oh, my back is hurting me. I I think I'll take my eyes off the windshield for a minute. Meanwhile, outside of uh, Dr. Henry's Houston office, LaQuanda said she stayed in the office the day Jackson died and did not go to that storage facility. She said her sister, LaQuisha, Went and relieved one of the those at the storage facility. Look, look what you may cause uncontrollable psoriasis and flicking of the scalp. Mm-hmm. As to why they would pick up a box of used and needles and take it back to the office. Would you pick me up a box of used needles while you're out? LaQuanda said they were just moving things around. Well, LaQuisha is telling a different story. Are we all following this? Are LaQuanda and LaQuisha, are they like a... Uh... Is this like a, are they like a, like a comedy trio or duo or something? I mean, are they just, is it like, are they going to be appearing somewhere at a club where I can see them? Look, Quandon. Are they a matched set of, uh, they sound like a, like a, like a, a match set of Muppet characters or something. Well, but they would, to Denny Gans. And they, and they would, but they would like teach you, like LaQuanda and LaQuisha would be, they would be twin sister Muppets who would sing a song where you learn about like, like brushing your teeth or something at the end. So LaQuisha says, that wasn't a box of used needles. It was a chair. Yes, the only thing she picked. <laughs> I'm telling you this, kid. You asked. Is it already 110 degrees in here and I'm just hallucinating these stories? What do you mean it wasn't a box of needles? It was a chair. I'm just quoting LaQuisha. What kind of chairs are you using that you confuse it with a box of needles? I don't know. But LaQuisha said the only thing that she picked up was a chair. She also said that Dr. Murray did not go directly to her uh, to go to the facility. She said she always goes there to pick up chairs, apparently, and use needles. Who says that? Laquanda or LaQuisha? Uh, LaQuisha. LaQuanda is staying uh, quiet on this one. All right. So we're going to be hearing more of LaQuanda and LaQuisha. Well, how could we not? Okay. As the days go on. Excellent. All right. It's uh, 503-228-4101. Let's do uh, one more here, and then uh, straight ahead we'll have more headlines and an encore of our interview with Nikki Six coming up uh, at 540. Here's Tim Riley. America's neighbor to the north is none too happy about the attacks on its health care system. The head of the Canadian Medical Association denies claims and ads on U.S. television that their system puts lives at risk. A Robert Ouellette says, in Canada, people are not dying on the streets as the commercials claim and people here are believing. He adds, Can- Canadian health care is made up of 14 different provincial and territorial systems banded together by a national law providing for universal coverage. Critics of President Obama claim he's trying to create a Canadian-style government-run health care system in the U.S. Others in Canada laugh at these commercials. Yeah, well, I, because I think there was that woman they've been running in the commercials where it's like, I had a huge brain tumor. They wouldn't help me. And I, and I, I actually dragged it on the floor of the office, and they still wouldn't <laughs> wait on me. I saw something. I saw some report yesterday where they, I mean, she had, I, it wasn't like she was in perfect health, but I think I saw some uh, something yesterday. I was on like, that uh, it was on CNN or something. Don't let them take away your freedom. I guess they asked her doctor about it, though. They're like, hey, what's up with this woman who had a huge tumor and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't help her? And he's like, he's like, oh, she didn't have a tumor. I mean, it wasn't something you wanted. It was like she had like a, I don't know, it was like some small, like a, like a sister. Callous. It was like, yeah, it was some sort of, it was a mass. That's the phrase I don't like. You have a mass inside you. A mass just means they don't know what it is. A mass just means you got something growing somewhere and they can't identify it. So a mass, at least with like a tumor, like they understand the nature of of the thing. With a mass, it's just like there's all the parts your body's supposed to have. And then there's some other extraneous part that they can't quite quantify. But um, 
Anyway, the doctor's like, no, there wasn't a tumor. And they go, no, 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 we're running these commercials. There's a tumor. And he goes, that wasn't a, wasn't a tumor. I don't know why you're saying that. Americans will believe anything. They will, Tim. They're stupid. Hey, is, speaking of Americans will believe anything, please, if you found if you got yourself a photo of the caution zombie stripper sign that was uh, the ODOT sign that was flashing on the uh, Ross Island Bridge this morning, please send that to me. I need to have a copy of that. Straight ahead, the uh, encore presentation of our interview with Motley Crue's Nikki Six. More headlines from Tim Riley coming up at 6 o'clock. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. And at 7 o'clock, Food Porn with Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. You stay there. We're live from uh, beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain. Your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. So we have three big guest announcements that we're going to be making today. We'll start with the one uh, that we confirmed, I think, earliest. That is, uh, we may have actually said this yesterday. Tomorrow we're going to be speaking with Ron Livingston, who, as always, is, you know, somebody who was on Sex in the City, apparently. Where he did what, exactly? He played Jack Berger, another writer that Carrie dated who broke up with her on a post-it note. So there you go. Sex in the City's Ron Livingston. Uh, he also appeared next to, did he appear next to the back of your head or one of your elbows or something in a movie? He was, uh, let's see, my elbow was to his right. All right, so there you go. So uh, also seen in a movie featuring uh, Tim Riley's elbow, which is uh, similar to but not entirely like the movie My Left Foot. Also, he was in Office Space, and then he's got the, a new project in the works. So we're going to be talking to Ron Livingston tomorrow. So that is a guest announcement, the first. So I think we did say that yesterday. The other two we have not revealed yet, uh, but they're fantastic. We'll reveal uh, the second uh, of the three guest announcements later on in the program. Uh, in mere moments, we'll have the encore presentation of our interview with Nikki Six from Motley Crue. Tim Riley, what headlines are we working on on this Thursday? Well, we're going to hear from Michael Jackson's personal chef. What did happen on his final day? Someone from Vancouver testifies in Washington for the health care plan. That's kind of interesting. And they changed their minds. The high temperature today is going to be a letdown. It's only going to be 100. See, now these will not be anything at all. I wonder if I wonder if the city's just sort of if they're doing that to try to calm people down. Like what if they put out something, it's going to be 124 degrees. No, 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 no. Sorry. 99. Because then everybody sort of breathes, then everybody calms down, right? Well, that's much more reasonable. Well, you got to, well, if they're telling people in Kalama that there's no water left. I mean, that's the sort of thing that'll cause civil unrest. Let's just... In Klamath? I mean, aren't they, aren't they right near... Don't they have a river or something there? I guess you don't want to be drinking the rivers around here. I don't, I don't believe I've ever been to Klamath. No, no, no. But see, it's not Klamath. It's Kalama, I think. Kalama, which is right off of I-5. Oh, Kalama. You, you've driven by there. That's that weird mystery town I was talking about when I came back from Green Day. It, was, it looks like it's from 1962. It's like they picked up a strip of Mayberry... And dropped it in the middle of nowhere, and then it remained unchanged forever. Uh, Sarah, you because you've been there, right? Yeah, I've stopped through there. I've always wanted to stay there, like the night, because it's such a creepy little town. It's awesome. It's it really is quite. So we spent like an hour there. It was it was pretty awesome. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. But uh, now, without further delay, this is an encore presentation of our interview with Motley Crue's Nikki Six, uh, Sarah Dillon, Greg Nibbler, myself. Uh, got a chance to spend uh, a few minutes with Mister Six in his backstage dressing room. This is uh, at Crew Fest on Tuesday. This is Nikki Six on the Rick Emerson Show and Rock One Hundred One KUFO. This tour you're doing, Dr. Feelgood, all the way through, and it's obviously a classic album. When you were recording it, did you know, did you have the sense that it was a classic? Could you feel it coming together? No. No. I I mean, I don't think with any record, any song that you write, 
or record, you really have a clue what what it will mean or or won't mean. Um, you know, we've we when we write songs, sometimes we like other songs better, and sometimes we like playing songs uh, live that maybe people don't even know. And I'll give you an example, um, Primal Scream, when we first released it, we were never going to play the song live after that. It got zero crowd response because uh, it was a mid-tempo, groove-oriented Motley Crue song, and the audience didn't like it or they didn't respond to it. Years later, it's one of our greatest live songs that people really, really get into. So a uh, song like Livewire that we always loved playing never did anything mainstream, but it's a song that we almost always played live. So it's it's interesting, you know, what music means to the band, what it means to the audience, and then what it means over time, what, what you, you know, you, you can't really predict that. I read something actually years ago, and it was either right as Dr. Feelgood was being uh, finished or when it was coming out, and you said that Girls, Girls, Girls have been kept out of the number one spot by Whitney Houston. And I seem to remember you saying, that really pissed us off. Did you feel like you had something to prove with that record, or did you just go into it thinking we're going to make the best record we possibly can? I mean, I think it was, you know, in in retrospect, that was something that we... We were really frustrated about because we were never really interested in the charts. But it was once, once you, once you find out that you've achieved something, um, you, you all of a sudden get really proud. And we knew that we were the number one selling record, and that was during the days of Paola. And Whitney Houston was bought into that position. She was a new artist, and we had the most sales that week. And and it was reported to us that we had a number one record and we never really cared about number one records but then we get the phone call later that says no it's not true and then we knew how it happened and I think that was really disheartening it's sorry being told you're getting a lifetime achievement award and then they give it to somebody else they give it to Tommy Two-Tone Tommy Two-Tone and you go wait a minute and it's just because somebody piloted someone's pocket you mentioned playing at Castle Donington. Uh, the Moscow Music and Peace Festival was another huge, huge event. Looking back, what is the, the one moment where you you looked and you said, this, this is it, like, I I cannot believe I'm standing here. Is it somebody you're on stage with? Is it a certain crowd where you said, "This I'm, I'm at a peak on the mountain? God, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sort of, um, I'm really antisocial. I do everything in my own head, in my own world, in my own studio. So even when we were touring and we were doing like Moscow Peace Festival, I didn't see anybody else. I didn't know really what that thing was until, um, I mean, I knew what it was on a business level, but on a a social level, I didn't know until I saw it years later. And there's a lot of bands I didn't even know were on that airplane. It's a good time to ask about Heroin Diaries. Heroin Diaries, a book, 6 a.m. did the soundtrack. Is there going to be another incarnation of that? Is it going to appear as another form of media, or is 6 a.m. going to go in a a different direction? I don't know yet. There's a lot of stuff inside my head that I I want to do. Whether it will cross with 6 a.m. or with other projects, I I don't know yet. Um, I I have to ask, um, as as a guy who grew up listening to that music and just knew it note for note, groove for groove, beat for beat, and who grew up staring at the back of Shout of the Devil and reading that little warning where it said, caution, this record may contain backward messages. I have to ask if there were backward messages of any kind in Shout of the Devil. Complete sarcasm. (laughs) 
I know. I know. It was just like there was this whole thing at the time, and it was. I remember reading something about that, and I, I just thought it was so funny that we put it on our record. People actually, you know, even the record company, you know, believed it. And it was it was sort of tongue-in-cheek, you know. Uh, making the dirt into a film, do we know where that is and who will well, play you? Know, you? What's funny is it never was in pre-production, and we were never in a casting phase. It was um, where it was was there were um, scripts that the band uh, passed on. There were directors that the band met with and then passed on, and we still have scripts that we're working on. But it's a, it's a very personal story, and we just don't one particular director and writer that was working with us wanted it to be somewhat of a comedy. So, well, this will be mainstream if it's funny. And we're going, what's, what's funny about this? And then another guy wanted to make it like Animal House. And we're like, what? So what I'm saying is, you know, this is, uh, this is our story, and we're not going to just um, sign off on it being sort of done to fit into a niche. It's it, it w is important to me the way that you know watching a lot of movies like Train Spotting was important to me and, and this, the list goes on and on and on and I think that the way that it's filmed and the presentation of the music and the the way that the band is represented is is important and, and I think we have a responsibility to the fans you know in that sense and you guys have always been true to yourself and your vision whether it's music whether it's yeah. uh, your other outside projects any of your art do you think that that has do you think that's the reason for your longevity, the reason that you are still uh, straddling the earth like a, like Colossus? I, I sometimes wonder if that isn't like what could have derailed us the whole time. Because when a lot of our uh, a lot of people that were around before we started and they sort of played the game and people that were around afterwards and they played the game, you know, that's what we were told we had to do. And we just didn't know how to do it. And I think that I'm, I'm really surprised that we're still here, to be honest with you. I'm really surprised we're still here. If I had asked you that question 10, 15, 20 years ago, do you think that you would have imagined yourself still here, still in music, or you were, you were in a different no place way. altogether? No way. I still don't know how we're here. I still don't believe we'll be here next year. I just think this whole thing is just like a big, it's a, it's a big practical joke. You know, the fact that we laugh all the time. We're like, are we really doing our own festival? Like, really? Like, how does this thing keep happening? It's pretty surprising to us. As somebody who so clearly is passionate about music, and you're doing it because of the love of music and, and the things that come with it, but music obviously was the driving engine for you, what was the record or the, or the band that started it where you heard it and you said, that is what I want to do? I mean, it would be a few. It would be Black Oak, Arkansas, Black Sabbath, uh, the first Queen record, um, the first Kiss record. I thought they were really great songwriters, and they reminded me of the New York Dolls in a, in a sense in that way. And I know they were both New York bands and street bands. Um, the Dolls, Aerosmith, Motha Hoople, T Rex, good stuff. 
Um, as somebody uh, who loves music to somebody who makes music, I want to thank you for being out there, doing what you're doing, oh, and you. best of continued success in life and art and all things, my friend. Thanks, man. There you go. There's our encore presentation of our exclusive interview with Nikki Six from Motley Crue, as taped uh, backstage at Crewfest 2 this past Tuesday. All right, coming up at the top of the hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City. Uh, we'll talk to Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week at 7 o'clock with Food Porn. Uh, Jim Rupp will join us at 8.20 to talk about the latest in the Michael Jackson case and more news from Tim Riley. Straight ahead, we're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051, or you can email rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or uh, Greg Nibbler, our esteemed production assistant, can be reached at uh, Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R. At KUFO.com. Okay, so uh, update on the zombie stripper sign. So somebody said, so I guess it's been that way for more than a day. Somebody said it was that way yesterday, too. So a guy said he is going by there in like 10 minutes. He's going to take a picture of it. He's going to send it our way. So awesome. Thank you, sir. And let's see. Where did my text window go? One moment. And let's see. This guy says, I will send you a picture of the uh, the zombie stripper sign as soon as I pass it. Then this text says, Rick, I am a garbage truck driver downtown. Said, I almost died yesterday in the heat. Uh, love the hot weather updates. Please keep them coming. So I just uh, really, I, I, I cannot, I can't even begin to, to make a comprehensive list of the jobs uh, that it probably sucks to have right about now. We have that story, uh, Tim, you said a few days ago about the rendering, the rendering plant truck that tipped over on the highway somewhere. Yes, on I-5 on the way to Seattle, closing down the highway. See, how, Somebody had to clean that up. Was it, on a, was it on a day that there was a lot of other weather news? Because I don't yes. remember. I think that that would be a story that it would was, stick out. It was sandwiched in the middle of all those other weather stories, but it did happen. Jesus, God. Because you know that those rendering plants don't close when it's hot. I mean, those day, somebody has to work there. Uh, what other headlines are we uh, tracking on this Thursday morning? Portland hotels, well, they're filling up. The Nines is sold out, turning people away. The Ace Hotel downtown has phones ringing off the hook. People are checking in just to take advantage of air conditioning. I was actually thinking about that. business in a long time. I was thinking about that yesterday because I drove by there. If you go up uh, a Powell into the classy part of town, you'll pass that Motel 6. And the Motel 6, here's the thing that fascinates me. It, the Motel 6, when I, you know, I'm going to say the Motel 6 for, I mean, I remember the last time, maybe when I was... Maybe, uh, maybe when I was in my twenties, maybe it's. Uh, I think I, actually, maybe when Lara and I were moving up here from San Diego, I think we might have stayed at one on the way because it was like because it, because they had a room for about twenty eight bucks in most places, which is in my head. <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> In my head, that is always how much a Motel 6 room costs. And I know that it hasn't... And that is my variation on the popcorn was a nickel, and you also got a double feature with that. The, because I just had those Tom Bodette radio commercials that played like a thousand times an hour when I was growing up. And he had that he had that line where he would say, you know, he would say that we'll leave the light on for you, but he said, rooms are about 28 bucks in most places, a little more in some, a lot less in others. And so to this day, that's sort of the benchmark for me. But I'll drive by, and I will look at that reader board outside the Motel 6, and the price will go up and down 
And there doesn't seem to be any sort of rhyme or reason to it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like a, a scam or anything. I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, there's some like algorithm they use to figure all out, you know, because that's a national chain. So there must be some sort of, some sort of mechanism by which they divine whatever the price is going to be. But it does seem to, to just sort of be like they picked it out of a hat some days. But I drove by it yesterday and it was, I don't know, it was like, 60 bucks or something, which I think is way higher than it normally is. And I actually started wondering if all of those places are filling up because you got to figure, okay, you don't have an air conditioner and you might be willing to buy an air conditioner, but you're probably not going to be able to buy an air conditioner because they're sold out everywhere. And so, you know, you, you figure to yourself, well, why not just pay 60 bucks to be able to sleep for a night? I mean, I think on a day like yesterday, that's probably a good business to be in. Yeah. If you had a room that you were willing to rent out for 60 bucks, you know, or 100 bucks probably, I mean, you could probably get twice that. If you say, well, look, it's going to be 120 bucks, but on the other hand, it's going to be 70 degrees the entire night, and you'll be able to sleep like a child. I mean, you could probably, I would imagine you could be making money hand over fist doing that right about now. Mm-hmm. Is this uh, Steve? All right. Ask about Bear Bloomberg sending all the homeless away. All right, hold on. And God, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castabem. Hello, sir. Hello. Yeah, you get a free ticket out of here. So, what is what is the deal with with them sticking the homeless on a plane? And I don't know. They just is this going to be like? Um, is this going to be like in, the, in 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 that movie V, where like they get on a plane because they think that they're going off to like a tropical vacation somewhere, and really we're just shooting it into the sun? Ooh, uh, I didn't know that, that happened. <laughs> Wow! I thought you were saying ooh because it was like a great idea. Like I'd inadvertently, uh, I'd inadvertently given you uh, some scheme to uh, to get rid of the homeless from your city. So wh- I don't think public policy officials have thought about doing that. That's what, what a great solution to all of our problems. Well, it's because they don't have me on the payroll, sir. So what is, what is going on with that? They, if you're a homeless person in New York. What is the deal with the, with the one-way ticket? It wasn't so much, you know, like all homeless people, but the, the city was, you know, working on a, uh, on a, on a way of, of helping people out who were sort of stranded here, you know, and, and wanted to go back home. You know, you know how there's an influx of people who come to New York because they want to be here? And, right. And then, uh, you know, they have just one bad, bad luck experience after another, and next thing they know, you know, nothing's worked out the way they envisioned. And, and No, oh, I know what that's like. That's just like L.A. <laughs> I was actually going to say, you go to California, and every third person you meet has that story. Uh, every barrister uh, in a in a Starbucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's and you know, and it's always some, uh, you know, well, not always. Oftentimes, it's you know, it's some hayseed chewing kid off a bus from Indiana who, you know, I'm going to the big city to pursue my dream, and apparently his dream is sleeping on like a cockroach infested <laughs> mattress in an alley uh, somewhere because that usually is where kids like that, uh, you know, end up. Or you know, it's in New York where. Like one wrong, one bad season, one one quarter without work, uh, and you are screwed because the cost of living will will completely uh, take a bite out of you. It's not like what happened to Michael J. Fox in Bright Lights, Big City. No, it re- it's it's nothing like a Jay McInerney novel in any way. It's more like a Brett Easton Ellis novel in every way. Every day I wake up hoping this is not the day I lose my job because a few months later I'll be out on the street. That's the you know, and you got to wonder what the best cities to be homeless in. Are. When uh, Laura and I lived in, um, we lived in uh, uh, San Diego, we always used to, to joke that, you know, if you had to be homeless, like you couldn't pick a better city to be homeless in San Diego. Because, and I don't, I don't know what, I, I haven't really spent enough time in L.A., you know, for protracted periods to sort of to, to know how it works there. But in San Diego, you know, it's kind of a progressive town, kind of a liberal town in a lot of ways. 
Um, not as the suburbs though. The, the suburbs are really conservative, aren't they? The suburbs are conservative, but there's a big. But San Diego is a little bit like Portland in that there's there's big sections of San Diego that are sort of hippie. Okay. Uh, you know, the sort of hippie-ish, uh, you, know, the, you know, where it's just a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of people walking around uh, the barefoot and, you know, like, you know, with like bells on their toes. And, you know, and so there's that. And also it's, you know, it, it's not blisteringly hot most of the time. It doesn't really get that cold. But as opposed to New York, where, you know, it is blisteringly hot and cold and everybody hates everybody else. So if you are stranded in New York right now and you're just at loose ends, as they say, what, what is the plan that the city has for you? You basically reach out to homeless services. You know they have these vans, these outreach vans that uh, that that cruise the city and and pick up folks here and there. But uh, you go through the system, and if you need some help uh, and you want to get back, you know they'll help you get back now to wherever you came from. So this would be like the guy holding a sign on the road that just says like you know need need ticket to. Can I just tell you this? I was speaking of uh, barristers, as you pronounce it. Is it is it is it is that like a New York thing with the the pronunciation of B A R I S T A as barista? I I'm not. You know, were what? you bluffing just now in your pronunciation of that word? I read uh, Starbucks, and so I just the, the word popped into my head. So uh, I don't even know the correct pronunciation. I believe it's barista, but you I know, think it's barista. A barrister isn't that a lawyer in right English? A, a barrister is a right. Boston lawyer. <laughs> um, Starbucks, by the way, written by a guy from Portland, Oregon, Steve Kastenbaum. Ah, yeah. Um, that is. It's a Taylor Clark, well, that's a fantastic book. It is. Um, so, what was my point? Blah, blah, blah. Barista. Homeless. Homeless. Uh, wait. Oh, yeah, so I was driving by a Starbucks uh, two days ago, and there's a guy holding a sign, and he was like, you know, he's a 20-something guy, and it, and it said, like, need ticket to get to friend's funeral or something, and, you know, which is the sort of thing that seems designed to separate you from your money. But it was, I was suspicious of his penmanship. It was done in, like, four different colors of marker, like four different colors of ink. Part of it appeared to be in calligraphy. Uh, and then it, part of it was like in these huge, big, broad, bold strokes with a red marker, and it was just—it was so suspiciously well done. It was like it, the sign was so presentable that I immediately assumed it was just a scam, and I refused to give him money. So I was punishing him for being neat and tidy. Um, sounds, like a, sounds like a kindergarten art project. It was. It just—it looked way too, way too professional to, to, to get any money from me. Let me ask you real quick about this business of Obama. Uh, today's the day that he's quote sharing a beer. With Henry Louis Gates Jr. and this cop uh, that that went to the house and where all the unpleasantness ensued, right? Yeah, and uh, I was talking to a lot of folks who know about racial profiling uh, because you keep hearing these two catchphrases. Uh, this is a teaching moment, and this will advance the discussion of racial profiling in the nation. So I decided, let me go talk to people who research about it. And uh, uh, they say, you know, it's a tough thing to combat. To combat, it really is. I spoke to the Nassau County Police Commissioner who said, you know, no matter how much training they do, people still have these subconscious biases and or biases. I don't know. And, uh, you know, they... Now you're second-guessing every pronunciation out of your mouth. I'm going to, thanks. And uh, they, they uh, you know, no matter how much training they do, that you know, that bias can still play into the police officer slash potential suspect role, you know? So it's hard to, uh, to, to, to really get around and to stop it from happening. On the other hand, uh, there are some police departments that really do a good job of it, and, uh, you know, and that's because they teach the, the police officers that it, it doesn't work. The, right. the statistics show that, you know, while minorities get pulled over at a much higher rate than, than white people, uh, they do not are not found to be carrying drugs or, or open bottles of alcohol or any sort of you know illegal activity in the car at any higher rate than a white driver. So it you know 
it really doesn't work. And it's counterproductive because they say, you know, you rely on people in a community to tell you when a crime is being committed or who committed a crime, but uh, you wind up creating a distrust in that right. community. So, I, I do, I, just as a final note, as a, you know, as a resident of Portland, I should make the, uh, the obligatory observation. I love the idea uh, that, uh, and I'm only half joking here, that this, uh, that this problem, this strife, is uh, the, the, the solution is going to be aided by the application of alcohol. So that makes me smile. All right, my friend, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you very soon. Take care. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Awesome. Straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley, and uh, we'll reveal uh, tomorrow's special guest. We have uh, somebody we're very excited to talk to tomorrow. It's coming up tomorrow and we'll announce it today, next right here on The Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is The Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. And thank you in advance for joining us tomorrow when our guests will include... Why are you playing this, Rick Emerson? Why, Sarah, and presumably Tim, I'm glad you asked. Tomorrow we will welcome to the Rick Emerson show from the television series Mad Men, Brian Batt. That's uh, 7.20 tomorrow. Now, you know Brian Batt as Salvatore. Uh, Salvatore is the uh, the art director on Mad Men, and then he's also in that new Judd Apatow film. He's in Funny People. He's he's fantastical, and he's very handsome. Uh, he's the guy, if you've seen uh, Funny People, he's the guy at the bar about two-thirds of the way through when uh, when Adam Sandler's decided to get, get out and enjoy his life. He's the guy who sets Adam Sandler up with the girl from J-Date, uh, from the Jewish Dating Service. Um, and so he's so he has a small part there, And the, but of course, you know, he's, his most prominent role right now uh, is as uh, Salvatore on Mad Men. And season three of Mad Men is coming to AMC in, it's August, right? I think it's August. Yes. Uh, it's August 14th or something like that. I think it's, and the thing is, I think it's actually the week that I'm going to be in New York City, which is fantastic. So I got to contrive a way to see that uh, while I'm in New York. Basically, anyway. he's, he's the not gay gay man. Well, he's closeted, I think, is yeah. the deal. I think that he is, yes, I think he is not openly gay. Uh, although uh, the actor is, but I think uh, the role of Salvatore, I think he is not. And he, there was just one of the most uncomfortable sequences in the history of everything last season on that show. And it's like all the, it's like all the dudes and, that, and Joan uh, Holloway are all sitting in like the copier office or something. And there's that guy, his name is like Kurt or... Schwab or something, and he's like he's like one of the European art directors that's that's in town. That's he's at Sterling Cooper. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, the dinner scene. No, no, no. It's there. It, well, no, it's the donut scene. They have all they have the big box of donuts in the copier room. And then there's the guy, and he's he's like Swedish or some crap, and he's all like, "Where I come from, it is normal to be gay, you know." And he's just a, to be homosexual. There's you Americans, you are so uptight, and sort of. And it was like everybody in the office had somehow, like, no one had, no one had realized he was gay or something. And so the, he says this, and of course he's got that great brassy European, like, what is your problem, tight-ass Americans? And everybody immediately just kind of, you know, they just, everybody just immediately just, just turns, uh, you know, they just all turn bigot, like on the, the, you know, on a dime. And of course, you know, the Salvatore's just sitting right there in the middle of the whole thing. And it all, like, kind of plays on that guy's face. I mean, the whole, the action of the scene, as, uh, as James Lipton would say, it all unfolds on your features, and we, the audience, can see everything. So the point is, the, the guy's fantastic. Mad Men's a great show. Season 3 of Mad Men's coming up, and so we'll talk to Brian Batt, who plays Salvatore on Mad Men, tomorrow at 7.20, right here. 
that is, I'm not going to say that's not the best news, but that probably is. That pro- of the of the three things that we, you know that we uh, that we are revealing, that probably is the one that's the most exciting. But I got to tell you, a Monday, you have no I I if I gave you a billion skillion dollars, you could probably not guess who we're going to be. This the Monday's guest is actually so unexpected to me. I had no idea that we were going to be talking to this person Monday, uh, and we won't announce that quite yet. We'll we'll make people wait just a bit for that. But Sarah called me yesterday. She's like, "Hey, would you be interested in?" Actually, here's how the phone call went. Sarah calls me yesterday and she said, I already know the answer, but would you be interested in talking to blank? And I said, absolutely, only more than anything. And it, it, it all it's so good, it almost should have been a mystery guest, although I guess its we're working on their schedule, which is why it's yeah. why it's Monday. But so we have no, one, You need to be a little prepped for this one, too. That's I mean, true. Because it's kind of awkward. <laughs> so we have, we have one more guest that we'll be announcing. Uh, it's going to happen on Monday. But tomorrow, Brian Batt from Mad Men. It's fantastic. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And you? I am. Uh, I'm splendid. What uh, headlines are we following for the good people of Portland today? The Blazers will play a game at the Memorial Coliseum. A student pilot crashes a helicopter at Tron Taylor Airport, and Joe Jackson, he's full of it, claims 25-year-old Omar Batty, and he's Batty as Michael Jackson's love child. Now, somebody we've been, else. We've been through the story before. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to debunk it step it, by step. Excellent. You're going to bust the myth. Yes. Okay. I was going to. I was going to observe that somebody else had said that, but I guess it must have been Joe Jackson. Just he must feel the spotlight already slipping away. I suspect that now that the the big dead parade is over, uh, that he just he sees the nation's attention slowly moving away. Yes. No, no, no. Look at me. I I have famous sperm, and just you know, just desperately trying to get us to all look back at his direction so he can tell us more about his exciting Blu-ray DVD company or whatever the f he was talking about. Jesus, God. Hey, did you see um, Anderson Cooper last night by chance? I did not, no. There was, I have the sound. I don't know if I'll play. It might not be as funny today, but they had, they had a heartwarming dog story uh, on Anderson Cooper last night, which in and of itself is not all that interesting. I mean, even though, you know, I guess it's okay if you're a dog person or whatever, and I, you know, I watched it. But so Anderson Cooper and that woman, Erica Hill, who is his sort of a sidekick on that show, they're doing this dog story toward the end of the show, and it was only notable... Because Anderson Cooper, who I can't quite get a fix on what the tone is he tries to strike on that show, because there are times when Anderson Cooper seems like a really sort of straight ahead, like rock solid journalist, like he's just there to give the people the hard facts. And there are times that Anderson Cooper seems like he has been beamed in from Good Morning Tulsa. And one of those moments was last night when they were, Erica Hill is talking about a dog that had run away from home or they'd been lost and they thought the dog was gone forever. And then like six months later, the dog shows up on the front porch. And Anderson Cooper, as the story's going on, you can just hear him off camera, and Anderson Cooper's just going, oh, oh, like in a louder and louder volume levels. And then I swear to God, they went to a story about a heroic bunny right out of that. Oh, I saw, I did see the bunny story. It was like, it, 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 it was like Ron Burgundy come to life. It was unbelievable. So I have the sound for that. So we, we probably, probably should get to that this hour at some point. Don't forget, at some point before the end of today's show is why we're going to give away a pair of tickets to see Star Wars in concert. When we come back, uh, Tim Riley will be at the news des- uh, desk with your latest uh, update on Hot Apocalypse 2009. The sweltering continues. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Thursday morning. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101 KUFO. What do you mean, 
SellYourSkin.com is taken. Oh, is it a porn site? No. Well, you know, this is the second best place in America to start your own business. I was just reading that today. Portland, really? Mm-hmm. So if you have some right sort after of... Vegas. Like a skin-dealing emporium that you want to open? Everybody has an idea. <laughs> Do you have an idea you'd like packaged okay. and submitted to industry? So SellYourSkin.com is when, uh, like, you get a tattoo on you for a business or something, yeah. and they'll pay you for it. Oh, well, that's less interesting than my idea. I was just thinking that because, you know, times are tough, that we could just, uh, you know, you, you know, you, I mean, you know, everybody's got to do what they got to do to get by. I'm just thinking you have some business where you just, uh, you know, who knows who, you know, who out there might need some skin for some project they're working on at home. They don't have enough skin of their own. Uh, you know, maybe they need to find a convenient skin outlet of some kind. Maybe uh, the spokesman could be Mr. Skin. Indeed. And see, and then I was just like, Sarah, we ought to get start this, sellyourskin.com. But then sure enough, it's taken. So they'll pay you to get a tattoo? How much? Not a tattoo, but I guess like put things. Let's see. This is the bad news. If you have your body liquidated in sulfur chemicals, you're worth about $7.93. The good news, you can sell your skin and earn up to $20,000. This is like that that day we tried to figure out if you could actually sell your body to science, and then we found out that you can't actually do that. That is just an urban legend. The more people that see your sellyourskin.com message on your skin, the more you can potentially earn. I don't understand what's going on. What, how how would I make money from from this? How would I, is it like that they pay me to put a logo or something on my body? Get the sellyourskin.com message on national TV and earn up to $1,000. All right. Put our logo in your hometown in public and allow us to put your photo on sellyourskin.com and make up to $100. I've already lost interest. Yeah. This is way too complex. If they're not just sending, if they're not just handing me money, I don't care. I don't want to work for it. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. The Rick Emerson Show's nonstop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center, downtown Portland, 644. It topped out at 106 degrees yesterday, just one degree short of the record, and now it's only going to be 100 degrees today. So they've dropped it it's from 110. Trying. So I wonder if there were some sources who maybe hadn't, they just hadn't hit refresh or something. They hadn't mm-hmm. updated their prediction, because now it's only going to be, it's not going to be 100, which... And it's had exactly the desired stupid effect, which is that now, what am I, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. It's only 100, thank Christ. Whereas, I mean, 100 degrees is still, I mean, that's that's unreasonably warm. Mm-hmm. I would say, I wonder what, psychologically speaking, I wonder what the breaking point is. In other words, well, there's two different questions. One, I wonder what temperature, when you hear that it's going to be that temperature, that it causes you to sort of go, oh, God. I, I bet it, I'm thinking it's 90 I'm thinking psychologically, if somebody says to you it's going to be 89 degrees, you go, eh. If somebody says it's going to be 90 degrees, I'm thinking that's when you start to sort of just, you, you dread it. I think that's the number that sounds the most menacing. But I wonder what the actual physical response is, like at what temperature the average person starts to get. Well, I guess it would be 98, right? Because yeah. that's when your body can't get rid of its own body heat because the surrounding air is too warm. All right, here's Tim Riley. PG reports new records have been set for power consumption. By 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, about 3,743 megawatts of power had been used. Today, we need to beat the 1998 record of 4,073 megawatts. Come on, let's turn everything on and make that happen. Am I the only one that doesn't know where this power originally comes from? It comes from a power plant. But, I mean, where does the power plant get it? Uh, the Bonneville Dam. So is that so? Is it all from the river? Yes, the fish make it possible. Okay, so... My my air conditioner is powered by mackerel. So here's a question. See, I almost don't want to ask this because this is one of those science questions. It's going to be one of those things where I sound like a retard because I don't know what I'm talking about. It's going to be worse because I don't have the answer. <laughs> so let's, so, so this is like the blind leading the mute. <laughs> All right. So there's uh, so there's no Ann Sullivan here. We're really just two Helens. Um, I don't understand 
how it is that we can have a shortage of power or there can be a power outage or too much demand for power if at the base of it all it's being created by the river which goes at a constant rate. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's not like there's no water uh, some days. I mean, I guess you could say the river is maybe slightly you know, higher some days than others. But if it's all coming from the power plant, and the power plant's creating it from turbines, and the turbines are being created by something or other, something or other, something or other, water. If it's all coming from the dam, like I could say, I, I've lived in the Northwest on and off for like 20 years. I've never gone by the dam and seen no water there. There always seems to be water coming out of it. So I don't know why it is that we run out of power sometimes. Does that make any sense? Does it I, seem like there should always be power? Yes. We take it for granted, don't we? We're never going to figure this out. All right, We'll do it next hour. Tim Riley. Uh, a lady from Vancouver, Washington, has gone to lobby Congress for a better health care plan. She belongs to ARP. It's A-A-R-P. She's a Victoria Dane of Vancouver. She was shocked when her insurance policy failed to cover her brain surgery expenses. And not, something must be done. I think what they need to understand is that this is not a political issue. This has everything to do with the health of our citizens. Health care costs have gotten so out of hand that it has to be addressed. They don't care. They just care about re-election. Meanwhile, a lightning strike victim in Florida wants to raise awareness of being struck by lightning. Where is that, Tim? Florida. Oh, oh, oh! Okay, I hit mine like an hour ago, but my I had my computer muted. Well, Damn it. That's your fault, not All mine. Right. Now, Michael Utley was struck by lightning some nine years ago while playing golf. He's been left paralyzed and unconscious for quite some time. They encouraged his wife to pull the plug, but he talked her out of it. They underwent rehabilitation. He can walk down, but Utley says his balance is completely ruined, and he has a hard time walking straight down a hallway. Wait, what do you mean they encouraged his wife to pull the plug, but he talked her out of it? I guess so. Is he in the room and there are, like some <laughs> other guys are in the doorway going, Gladys, uh, look, you're young. You you still have time to find a man who can stand. Mm-hmm. Pull the plug. And it, he's just over there like here again. No, 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 baby. I, I'm right over here. I, I can hear you. I can hear you talking. So Utley now spends his time educating young people on the dangers of lightning. He tells them, quote, Look at the sky. Look at the sky. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's uh, let's do the hello. Uh, is this uh, Matt? Yes, it is. Hello, Matt. How are you today? I'm doing good. Love your guys' show. Been a big fan since you guys started up. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. It says here you have experienced temperatures of 142 degrees. Yes, I have. Was that in Iraq? That was in Qatar. Uh, they sent me down to a, they sent me from Iraq because apparently I needed a uh, apparently I needed a vacation. Yeah, we're going to so send they, you someplace more temperate. I heard that's like a Disneyland for Arabs. It is. They, <laughs> they love it down there, but uh, down there for us military guys, not so much. There's so is it? Here's a dumb question. When it says 142, I'm not going to ask if it's a dry heat. Uh, I'm going to add, but like, is is that like on the ground in the air? Like what? On the ground and like so, walking around. Jesus, and it, and so you. I mean, and I, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm, you know, I have no idea what anything, you know, with the climate or the with the the landscape is like over there. But I mean, is, is that like we? Are you walking around sort of in like a a densely populated area, or is that like in an out in an open area? But it probably doesn't make any difference, right? I mean, it's just 142 degrees, 142 degrees. Well, yeah, pretty much. That's basically what it is. I mean, it it, it was so hot outside during that during that time they sent me down there for a vacation. That I didn't even go out and about. I just stayed inside my uh, nice little tent inside of a hangar, which made no sense. So when you're inside, so is that any cooler at all? Like, are you able to get away oh, from the heat? Yeah. 
any 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 degrees any any kind of degrees lower than that was cooler. So are you having to uh, you know you hear these stories about guys who are you know they're they're uh, they're in Iraq or they're you know the guys when they were in Kuwait and all this. And they're having to wear the full outfit, and they have to, you know, because they have to be ready for, you know, there's, there's some sort of combat situation. And that, like, with all the gear on, that it gets to be like 130, 140 degrees. And it just seems like you could probably only take that for a few minutes before you just keeled over. Actually, no. What, uh, what it is, we just keep ourselves extremely hydrated. Like, water is constantly flowing into our bodies, and, you know, we, just, we, don't, we don't play around with that. I mean, we make sure that there's enough water all around. Like, in our vehicles, we... We'd pack cases upon cases. So if, uh, here's a stupid question. What kind of, I mean, you, you have to use sunblock, I would imagine. I mean, I know that sounds daft, but I mean, you got, but you can't, I mean, you're going to be exposed to the sun. So do you have, is the, the military have some weird SPF 6000 sunblock or something they give you guys? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, uh, I, I figured out, I'm from northern Montana originally, so I figured out that once I burn, I just burn permanently. And uh, after that, I just tan from there on out. Okay, so your so your skin does sort of adapt to it over over time. If- your, your body your body climatizes too. I mean, we came back from uh, we came back from my first tour, and we went from Korea, which was humid and hot, to uh, Colorado Springs, which is really cold. So if I were to go there, and this is Qatar, you're in. If I were to get off the plane and just I'm just wearing like I don't know like jeans and a t-shirt. If I get off the plane and it's you know 125, 140 degrees. How long could I just get off the plane, stand outside, walk around outside before it just knocked me to the ground? Uh, my guess about three hours. And then after that, I would just be my body would just sort of give up. Yeah, you'd, you'd be done. You'd, you'd probably be asking for a bottle of water within the first hour. You know, I just I, I don't sound flip. It's no wonder everybody there is so cranky. I mean, really, I would just be pissed off all the time. When would you like? Is everybody there just in a bad mood? All that's everybody just everybody who lives there just wake up and go, oh, damn, another day of hundred forty degrees. I will kill everyone. I mean, is it just like? Believe it or not, no. Actually, I've, I've, a lot of people have asked me you know, what, it's, what it's like over there. You know, or is everyone mad at us? And not everyone's mad at us. Most people are happy we're there. But you never hear about it on the news because good news doesn't sell. Yeah, see, and I would figure they're not even really mad at us so much as they're just mad at the sun and just the universe and everything. They're they're truly upset at the sun. I think I, I would just wait. Five o'clock in the morning, and scream at it. See, that's we'll the thing is, the and... <laughs> it seems like they would all just uh, they, like it seems like everybody who lives in a place like that. It's sort of like living in Antarctica, where you would just be mad at like the, the wind or something. You you just wake up and just decide that the sun is actually the common enemy of everybody there, and we're going to wage war on heat. All right, excellent. Well, uh, so you are now, so you're back in Portland. You back here for good? Yeah, I'm done. I'm out and finished. So you're walking around the day where it's, you know, even if it's 110 today, it's like, I mean, it's 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 like uh, it's it's like uh, it's like being in Maine for you. Pretty much, yeah. I, I told my wife she she went to work. I told her I was like, honey, I'm just gonna go walk around outside today. She's like, well, <laughs> be careful. I'm like. Come on, it's me. Baby, look at my skin. I can, nothing can harm me now. I'm impervious. All right, excellent. I told her that when I took when I told her how many shots I had when I joined the army. She said, "Oh my goodness, why did you get so many?" I was like, it "Makes me immune to everything." Excellent, because he's not because now you are you are the six million dollar man. You are Steve Austin. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. I appreciate you listening. Have a good one, sir. Thank you, Matt. There you go. That is uh, Matt. All right, there you go. 142 degrees. Jesus. All right, straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week will be here with Food Porn. Uh, Jim Roop joining us from Los Angeles today, 20 with Michael Jackson News and more. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday. Stay right there. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland!
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and amusements of all varieties. All right, so I guess they've now changed uh, the ODOT sign. Let me open in my big trap. The power of the Rick Emerson Show has made the sign vanish. So I guess, I guess it was there yesterday, and I didn't see it, but it was there this morning. You know, I didn't see it yesterday because I was here. That's why. Because I, I was sleeping in the women's bathroom upstairs. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, so... I guess this is uh, on the Ross Island Bridge. It's on Powell. If you're heading west, right as you get to um, uh, the uh, Lucky Devil, Lucky Devil, yeah, uh, which is right at Powell and McLaughlin, heading west over the Ross Island Bridge. The ODOT sign had been changed to say "Caution, Zombie Strippers," which is fantastic. And I saw that today. But again, I have the one model of BlackBerry without a camera, and so I wasn't able to, to get a picture of it. Although I should say, as I was uh, driving in there, I did see a. There was some guy who I think had just gotten out of his car, because the, the club had even closed. He was just got out, and he was just standing, staring at it, like Steve Martin staring at that sign in, in uh, you know, an L.A. story. So um, I was trying to see if, we, if we'd gotten a picture of it. Apparently it was that way yesterday. It was that way this morning. But about, I don't know, an hour after I mentioned it today, uh, ODOT apparently heard about it, and they went and changed it. So I'm sorry for denying everybody else who's driving in that little uh, slice of amusement. Somebody did get a photo of it, though, and they are going to send it my way. So uh, anyway, so uh, not that I encourage such acts of public vandalism. Do it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's wrong to screw with public property. Isn't there just a simple code that you can use to... There's no code at all, apparently, actually. That's just... <laughs> these. By, by the way, these are facts. I'm just reporting facts uh, as, a, as a broadcaster uh, here in the employee of the Columbia Broadcasting Systems. Apparently, not just the Oregon Department of Transportation, but Departments of Transportation in general, do not put any security code on those big reader boards that say, like, smog warning or left lane closed or zombie strippers ahead. It is, in fact, so simple a child could do it. Stick it to the man. Hello, Tim Riley. What headlines are we following on this Thursday morning? Why, that's more than amusing. I'd like to find out how that's done. Uh, 17er displaced in a two-alarm fire in Northwest. That does it. No more fires. The city fire marshal is banning all outdoor burning except for barbecues. A helicopter used to teach student pilots has crashed at Troutdale Airport. Nobody was hurt and will have more on Michael Jackson's secret love child. True or false? Are we going to have more from the sisters LaQuinta and, or whatever, Lee, uh, Laconic? What were the, what were the girls? LaQuisha and LaQuata. I'm sorry. I thought, I think it was LaQuisha and La, La, LaQuanza. What was, there was the two, I, I've already forgotten. I meant to write them down. I'm going to have to go back and look. All right, well, we'll look it up. Uh, let's welcome now to the Ray Emerson Show from uh, the Willamette Week, our good friend Kelly Clark. Hello, how are you today? Hello, nice to be here. All right, you seem... <laughs> you sound so perfect. You seem very awake today. No, I was just, I was thinking about all of Michael Jackson's love children. Uh, I might be one of Michael Jackson's love children. Who knows? This started because there's a whole series of pseudonyms he was apparently using to get medications. One of them was Omar Anderson. The other one, Sarah, was... Joseph Scruz. Joseph Scruz. Scruz. Uh, that was am- my dad's name. Yeah. And in my mind's eye, it always has like an umlaut over it, too. Sort of a Scruz <laughs> sort of a thing. Uh, but now I guess Joe Jackson is saying that Omar Anderson was a pseudonym, but it was taken from the name of one of Jackson's love love child. At least the first Love name. child mothers? Okay. The, the, oh, the, the love child's name is Omar Batty. Omar Batty. So it's all very complex. And there's, there's a whole bunch of shredding that was apparently going on. It's just very complicated. People moving office furniture. Hey, did I mention that uh, tomorrow we're going to be... Uh, Tomorrow we're going to be talking to Brian Bat from Mad Men. Oh, we're also going to be talking to someone really rad on Monday, too. So we'll so back up. So uh, tomorrow, Ron Livingston, uh, of course, is you know from Office Space and Swingers. I forgot about that. He was in Sex in the City. In the city. Uh, yeah. He was in, the, was that Music of the Heart? 
Is that the, uh, the uh, film the he was music in? Music Within. Music Within. Uh, and then he's got a new project coming up, so we'll talk to Ron Livingston tomorrow. Brian Bad, who plays uh, Salvatore Romano on Mad Men, which, by the way, and let me just say that Tim and I were talking about this. He looks like he's beamed directly from the. I mean, even in real it's life, wonderful. like he's at 1962. Uh, he has a very, he has just a great sort of classic American uh, male look to him. And he's got oh, the he's square jaw. Did you go to his website? No, what's his name? Uh, Sal- uh, his name is Brian Batt. B-R-Y-A-N-B-A-T-T. He plays Salvatore Romano. He's uh, the closeted art director at Sterling Cooper. Go to his website. Tell me that's not uh, that's not a guy that everybody should look like. He has the most oh, fabulous totally. suits. Yeah. I know. Look at him. So uh, anyway, was, uh, so we'll talk to him tomorrow about Mad Men season three, which is coming up. And uh, on Monday, Kelly Clark from okay. Well, I'm a Week, we're having a special guest. I'm going to have you guess because we're terrible at 20 questions, and yet we insist on doing it over and over again, but it always just ends badly. So on Monday, we're going to be talking to somebody, and I will give you just the, the, the briefest bit of backstory, which is that I was uh, in the car yesterday, phone rings, I answer it, hello, and Sarah Dillon uh, says, I already know the answer to this, but would you like to talk to blank? Blank. And then I said, yes, more than anything on earth, please, please make that happen. So... Kelly Clark, <laughs> who do you think? Wait, let me find some. Uh, <laughs> let me find some music here. I'll find some. Uh, let me find something to. Uh, let me find something to accompany. What about this. the Dexter okay. music? All right, there we oh, go. Oh, Dexter music is always good. My head. I I always have this in my head too. All okay. right, Kelly Clark. Uh, man or woman? See that oh, right out of the gate. You know how to play twenty questions. This like is my everyone. yeah my years of interviewing technique. All right, uh, <laughs> watch female. A, watch a master. The woman. It is a woman. It is a woman. Okay. W o m a n. <laughs> Not O M Y N. Is she uh, is she over thirty or under thirty? Over. Okay. Uh, was she in a sitcom? No. Is she involved in politics? No. You're at four questions. Was she ever on the Sci-Fi Channel? No. I mean, that's the best of my. I can't imagine. I'm I almost certain the answer imagine. is no. Okay. Has she written a book? Uh, she is here to, she will be talking to us to promote a book. Promote a book. So she okay. has, I don't know if she's written anything else, but th- this is to promote a book. Promote a book, probably you, about some other facet of her life. You were at six. Ooh. Doing very See. well, though. I like, the narrowing is impressing yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can bring it. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is she famous for some sort of, uh, sorry, hold on one second. Let me rephrase, let me re- rephrase Choke. that question. Was she written about extensively in the media for something she did, not for media purposes? Yes. Yes. In other words, she's not. She was not an entertainer or a celebrity. She was written about uh, extensively, though. Very, very, very. very Yeah, it was an ongoing uh, series of reports about her. Uh, Was she arrested? No. No. Uh, (laughs) You're doing good. You're doing very well, though. Not politics. She's not an entertainer. You can tap out if you'd like at no, any no, point, no, no, by the no. way, and this I'll reveal. Is too, this is too good. Um, did she... Uh, she wasn't arrested. Is she a cook or a... a you know, or a... Um, does she make food of some sort? Not to the best of my knowledge. Again, unless she's created it as an ancillary to her, so, to her... She's Maybe unless she's used her fame to create oh. some line You're thinking it's okay. flow on Alice. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh... Did she uh, create a product of some sort or uh, no. a retail product? No, she did not. And so here, so we're at 10. Okay. So I'll tell you what, we'll do this. We come back. Uh, we'll have more headlines from Tim Riley. We'll talk about food porn with Kelly Clark. That's our first installment of that fine feature. And we'll do the second half of uh, 20 questions. We'll find out who the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show will be speaking with 
on Monday. That's when the Rick Emerson Show continues right here on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you, you keep listening. On Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. I'm a feminist, but look at my boobs. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. That is the phone number here at Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget, sometime before the end of today's show, we're going to give away a pair of tickets to Star Wars in concert. Uh, tickets go on sale this weekend, but we'll give away a pair at some point today. So be listening. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Thursday? Well, you knew it had to happen at some point. A swimmer is paralyzed after somebody jumps on his neck in the Clackamas River. Okay. And uh, our temperature has been downgraded. Now it's not even going to be 100 degrees today. They're hoping for 99. Are we hoping for 99 or are we expecting 99? Both. All right. Because and we found out that there are several power plants that you don't even know about. So it's not, it's not just the, the main one that, we always, uh, that we're always reporting on? Because the whole thing about how we could possibly run out of power when the river is just always there... Well, I'll tell you ahead of time. ...is a mystery to me. All right. is, oh, and I'm floating down a river today. Be careful. I will be. Don't let anybody jump on your, on your neck. neck. I will. I will try to avoid that. All right. As uh, as as Method Man says here, you want to protect your neck uh, at all times. Is this because of California? By the way, is California stealing our power? Does something need no, to be done? Didn't we gladly sell them power like at, at some point? I see, but uh, sell seems like sort of a broad term. It seemed like at a certain point the power was just being taken. Nobody is stealing our power. I see. You it, sound like a like an, a commercial. It's, it's going down the back of a. Has pickup Sarah truck never seen Chinatown? Do you not just, know what's going on about just, this? It was, and I, by the way, and uh. I was going to say, it, it might na- <laughs> it's not just that people steal power uh, from state to state. In my neighborhood, my neighbors steal power. I, there, okay. There's a, there's a. I won't I won't be any uh, more specific about this. I want to get anybody in trouble with the man, but. But I will say there's a place not too far from where I live where there is a suspicious tangle of um, uh, of electrical cords coming out of a window that are all going around into a backyard where they then go into like there's a pole sort of thing out back. So uh, there's a siphoning of power uh, from somebody into somebody else's place that is happening not too far from where I live. So it's not like it's out of the question that California would just come and mug us for a few kilowatts or something while they're back. With, Look over there, you know, and stick it in a barrel and run away with it. We have a coal burning plant. In Boardman, the BPA nuclear power plant at Hanford. Don't forget about that one. Yeah. Some new natural gas generators like the ones on the Klatskanai and many small dams. We're here with Kelly Clark, uh, arts and culture editor for Willamette Week. Hey, hey be- there. before we uh, continue our 20 questions where you were trying to determine the great guest we're going to have on Monday. Yes. Uh, it, let me ask you this. You were mentioning something right as we came back. Uh, we were talking about uh, the air conditioning. You were asking Sarah if she had air conditioning. Do you the guys get air conditioner guilt? Which is sort of like liberal guilt. Oh, absolutely. I have actually invited everyone who works with me without an air conditioning unit to sleep on my couch and or floor. Because I feel it's the first time I've ever had air conditioning in my right. life. And I feel like this rarefied sort of princess in her like cool pad. And everybody else is like, I got three hours of sleep. You know, I can't feel my tongue. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and I'm like, really? It was so breezy in my house. I don't know what you're talking about. I had to put on a sweater this morning. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I have to put on a sweater at work, too, because the air conditioning vent is right above me, so everyone else is in tank tops. I'm, I'm in a sweater and socks, and which I, is hot. And here's the, the thing is, like, I shouldn't feel guilty about it, because I know that it's not, like, a class issue in, in Portland. <laughs> it's the fact that, like, no one here really ever needs an air conditioner most of the time. I mean, most of the time. No, my house came with it. 
it. And yeah. we've we've turned it on probably four times the entire time we've lived there. I mean, and I have three one Three of because, those four days are now. And I deal so poorly with the heat that I have one anyway, just because if it gets above 75, like, I turn it on <laughs> because I'm just a big wimp when it comes yeah. to the heat. So I have one, but I realize that typically it's not needed. So it's, it's not like having an air conditioner makes you the moneyed man that everyone hates. It's just that you buy luck of the draw. That's it. Got a place with an air conditioner. But I'm sorry. I've been treated differently since my air conditioner use has come out. That's the thing. And so people look at you like, oh, it must be nice to live in your hoity-toity air-conditioned house on the hill, Kelly Clark. They mock you. You know, the working people of Portland don't care for your snooty air-conditioned attitude. And then you're like, I'm sorry. I just, it was in the apartment when I moved in. I'm actually going to start spritzing myself with regular water so they think I'm sweating when I come in. That makes me feel awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> for some reason. All right. Uh, it's before we do food porn, for which I've got a temporary music bed. Yeah, we need to Which is ridiculous, oh, by the way. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's ludicrous. Uh, we should uh, finish up our it's 20 questions. It's actually ludicrous. It's, it's actually, yes. The, uh, <laughs> so on Monday, we're going to be having a special guest. You've done 10 of the 20 questions. 10 questions. Okay. You have 10 questions remaining to try to determine our guest for Monday. We know she's a non-political woman who has done something that has put her in the media. Did she confront a large company or government agency? No, it is not a Aaron Brockovich. Okay. Uh, did she protect her family in some way? Uh, no, no. It was a. Uh, she became famous for something, uh, a family matter, you might say, but uh, no. It's family business. No. She didn't. Is it Bristol Palin? Oh, no, that's a non politics. No. Okay, never mind. That'd be too awesome. Seven left. Uh, seven left. Uh, it doesn't involve. It doesn't. Inv- does her thing she's famous for involve sex? Yes. Yes. Okay. Does it involve sex change? No. Does it involve. Public sex. No. And also, it's not Monica Lewinsky. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Uh, does it... Okay, her public sex thing. Does it involve casting... Oh, is it the plaster caster? Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where did you pull that from? I don't know. She's no, famous but for I mean, that. Awesome. <laughs> but now I know... It's, it, now Greg, your guess doesn't sound so cool, does it? Because you could have Monica, the, the, the Cynthia Plastercaster. Cynthia Plastercaster. We need to get her on the show. All okay. right, oh, got okay. three left. I've got three left. Um, Make them count. Oh man, uh, polygamy. That is that. A, uh, sorry, that's, that's not a guess. Uh, was she fa- no. famous for some? Can we give her a hint? Multi- yeah, give me a hint. There have been, got two more. There have been multiple movies made for TV movies about, about this, this scandal person. and about this. Oh, Amy. Uh, what's her name? Um, ah. Amy, Joey Buttafuoco, Amy, whatever her name is. You got half of them. Are you guessing Amy Fisher? I am guessing Amy Fisher. Okay, you are so unbelievably close. You got one left. Can you do it? Uh, Oh, no. No, no, no. Before you even say it, now you got literally, this is so perfect. I couldn't have scripted this any better. You have one question left. Is it Marianne Buttafuoco? It It is Mary Jo Buttafuoco. Look at that. Well done. That is a I am giving myself a clap. Wow. wow. You're the first person to ever <laughs> successfully play 20 questions on this show ever, in like 11 years. No one has ever actually done it. And you did on and the last, last question. question. Literally so... the last question. Wow, I'm impressed. That was I feel so good about myself. Don't take this All my air way. conditioning guilt has gone away. Don't be offended by this. You should almost leave now just to go out on a high. <laughs> but, uh, all right, let me roll the completely uh, ridiculous music bed uh, for food porn Sweet. with uh, Kelly Clark. All right, wait. <laughs> it doesn't What's wrong with I, you? It, it's all I had. I couldn't. It was either that or the popcorn but this bed. Is what, um, or I, that thing Michael where, Keaton listens to in Mr. Mom, which is awesome. Or I have popcorn played on the Jews harp. But I mean, that's even worse. So yeah, we've uh, got to come up with something better than this. Maybe your readers, can, your readers, sorry, listeners. Yes, I my many readers. readers. Your many readers. All right, they can help you. Well, let us uh, let's begin with food porn, and then we'll hit on a couple other things happening in Portland. Kelly Clark, what is today's installment of food porn? Today we're talking about meat stuffed in yeasty happy buns. Please to explain. 
Basically, all over town right now, nobody wants, I mean, it used to be sandwiches a couple months ago, but now it's all about hand pies and stuffed buns and everybody, apparently, it's not enough to make a sandwich anymore. You have to stuff incongruous-shaped meats into a bun. Is this like that Whiffin' Poof's place or whatever it is? Yeah, like, we've got fried pies uh, over at Whiffy's, which I had a brisket pie with cheese last night, which was absolutely ridiculous. Brisket pie. Or there's a full, like, pot pie shop on 23rd now. They are selling pasties at uh, Saravesa, which is a bar, which you can basically get, you know, basically a pot roast. What's a pasty? Pasty is like, you can basically, yeah, pasty or pasty. Yeah, we keep going back and forth on them. Uh, You can basically, it's a pie with, like, pot roast inside and like root vegetables and all like sorts of good saying. delicious things but my favorite one that I've discovered is this place called Happy Sparrow and they make kolaches which are little check buns but also they're they're made in Texas you guys every time I say buns you freak out you guys are <laughs> such children no no I'm just I'm trying to do serious food porn here people meat shoved in yeasty puppy I, buns I, I thought we were uh, I thought Sarah and I were looking at each other in assent about how great this music bed is <laughs> uh-huh. I was just thinking about how hungry I am can I tell you about the Happy Sparrow? Yes, I talk want some... about your buns. Uh-huh. Yes. The Happy Sparrow does chicken mango jalapeno sausage with like some gravy in like a, a sort of like a dinner roll. Mm-hmm. That's all buttery on top. Wow. So instead of being a dry piece of sausage on the side with a bun, it's tucked inside so it's all moist and happy. And then it sort of rips the top of your head off with jalapeno at the end of it. It's like the best tasting thing in the world. So it's a little uh, coffee shop on on Southeast Belmont. It's called Happy Sparrow. They make Vietnamese coffees and regular coffees and iced tea. And then these crazy kolaches uh, that are kind of like a Texas special. Where, where on Belmont? Uh, I think it's around 30th, but I okay. need to double check that. I can email you that to you. And then they also do Nutella buns as I'm going to well. form a klezmer band called Crazy Klatchkeys. Crazy Klatchkeys. All right. Thank you for coming out the Crazy Klatchkeys. Yeah. So that that's the thing I'm obsessed with this week is meat and buns. It just I know it's hot, but you know, it's never a bad time for that kind of thing. This has been food porn with Well I'm a Weeks. Kelly Clark. <laughs> Okay, let's acknowledge that bed worked out to be pretty good, actually. That wasn't quite as incongruous as it might have mm, seemed. That worked quite well. Uh, all right, Ed, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate oh, it. New pleasure. issue on stands today, tomorrow? Uh, what yesterday. Is today? Yeah, or you can always go to wweek.com and get everything online. We've got some great stuff this week. All right, Kelly Clark, you can read her in print in the Willamette Week or online at wweek.com. Uh, coming up next, we have news with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, and our coverage of Hot Pocalypse 2009 continues. At 8.20, Jim Roop will be uh, with us today talk uh, all things Jacksonian as well and a pair of tickets to see Star Wars in concert. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone. As a rock star, you know I was being a rock star in the music through Lump Biscuit and the rock star. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, join us tomorrow on the uh, show when our guests will include Ron Livingston of Office Space and Swingers fame, uh, as well as Brian Batt, who plays Salvatore Romano on Mad Men. That'll be uh, tomorrow. And Monday, Mary Jo Butterfuco. I never thought I'd say I'm so, it makes me happy every time I say it. Every time it's I so say that out loud. About. Well, I mean, because, you know, one of the things we're just fixated on on the show is pop culture, and that really is like living, breathing pop culture. Um, we have one more guest to reveal for Monday. This is, we're we're guest-tastic uh, lately. Uh, one more guest to reveal for Monday. We'll do that here in just a bit. Coming up at 8 o'clock today, Facebook Poetry. And uh, coming up at 8.20, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Let me read uh, this uh, one email here, and then we'll uh, go to the news desk with Tim Riley for more coverage on Hotpocalypse. Which do you want to hear? Do you want to hear... 
an email about a guest we almost booked or an email with three random things that somebody heard uh, that somebody overheard at, at a repair shop yesterday. Three random things. I yes. don't like negative things. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear about somebody that we could have had. No, no, no. It's not that. It's, it's somebody we didn't... It, it, no, no, no. It, it's nothing bad. Okay. It, 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 we'll do this one later then, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's nothing that's going to upset you. <clears throat> this says, um, my, hot, my hot pokey place in... Uh, this, is a, uh, this is a follow-up to a, uh, a previous email, but he says, um, my, he says, my hot pokey place in hell seems to be tigered at the moment. Few things. Number one, it's 109 degrees at my house. Number two, it's 94 degrees inside my house. So I was trying to find excuses to be out and about. Since my truck has air conditioning, I decided it was about time to get an oil change. The waiting room was the size of a jail cell, about 8 by 10. I had to stand by the sliding door, and apparently people do not know how to properly close the door the entire way. So I'd get the blast furnace of heat when people went in and out, and then would be obliged to have to shut it myself after them. There was this trashy girl who was constantly on her cell phone, and in the course of less than five minutes, this is what I overheard. I actually asked the guy for a pen and paper so I could write it all down. So these are the three things uh, that were overheard while this guy was getting his uh, oil changed. One. Why are there cops there? Did they get him? Of course he's gone. That's what he does. Second thing overheard from the same girl on the phone. Yeah, from the nipple down, he may never walk again. Third thing overheard from the same girl on the cell phone. I didn't even know cats could get AIDS. And now it's just running around the neighborhood giving all the other cats AIDS. There you go. There you go. Three things overheard while some guy was getting an oil change. I didn't see it taking that turn. No. I mean, and what, what do you mean from the nipple down, he may never walk again? Not so much the cats with the AIDS thing. And why? What do you mean? There, are there cops there? Of course he's gone. Maybe, uh, sir, I don't mean to pass judgment on you. Uh, perhaps you should revise your choice of neighborhood for getting an oil change. That's just a little FYI. That's a little free advice from, uh, from us to you. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. And shows non-stop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, for the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is 7:44. An excessive heat warning remains in effect. It could be 99 degrees. Looks like we may be saying goodbye to 100 degree temperatures. This KUFO tip because we care a lot. Pee doesn't stick around pools. It reacts to chlorine and produces irritants in pool water that turn your eyes red and make your skin itchy. Eat plenty of peppers today and salsa to cool off your body. That's the advice from the experts. Try some avocados, yogurt, almonds, black bean salad, cucumbers. Don't forget that ice-cold watermelon and avoid soda and fried food. I think I speak for everybody when I say, let's go back to the pee thing for a second. Wait, so what? if I'm swimming and my eyes turn on, it's because someone's peeing? Or has. No, I thought that was chlorine that did that. Chlorine can do it, too. Wait, so if you're in the water and your eyes turn red, it means there's urine in the pool? Chances are, yes. Well, I, it's, it's tip number 36 from healthypools.org. Really? So this is... Pee th- doesn't stick around pools. It reacts with chlorine to produce irritants in pool water that turn your eyes red and make your skin itchy. So if, you, so if you're... Okay, so this is... Uh, so chlorine makes your eyes... Red, but probably doesn't make your skin itchy unless it's right. in the wrong amount. So if you're in a swimming pool and you get out and suddenly you're all with the chafing and the scratching and the, hey, hey, I'm covered with, uh, with itches, mm-hmm. then um, that means that there's been some amount of urine uh, released into the pool. 
Right. All right. Ew. Okay. Almost half of respondents to a survey admit one or more behaviors that contribute to an un- unhealthy pool. And by, by unhealthy behaviors, you mean peeing. Yes. There's no other. Un- what other unhealthy behavior would there be? I mean, your junk's floating Spitting? in the pool. I mean, it's like, there's, you know what I mean? It's, you know, sometimes I put my ass in the pool. I mean, it's like your, your junk is in the pool with everybody else. Stop. I want to keep enjoying the pool. I guess my point is the unhealthy behavior has to be peeing. Right? I mean, there's nothing else it could be because your stuff is already in there. It's not like you're, I spit in the pool sometimes. Like, that's, I never that's really not what thought about that. How you're just like marinating in a big yes. body of water with everybody else's it's like private soup. areas. It's like, yeah, no, it's just like a stew. Uh, except instead of like uh, potatoes and carrots, it's everybody else's genitals and butts. Okay, you've, you've successfully cured me from ever wanting to go to the pool again. I'm just saying, the next time anybody bitches about there's too much chlorine in this pool, really? You think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about how it's just... More chlorine, please. It's just a bunch of ass tea bags in the pool. Just, uh, you know, giving it a good brine. God. That's what it is. All right, here's Tim... <laughs> that laugh made it all worthwhile right there. That chuckle. All right, here's Tim Riley. Michael Jackson's personal chef is offering a glimpse into the chaos surrounding his death. Kai Chase claims... She thought the pop icon was sleeping late when he didn't come down for his usual Aww. breakfast of juice and granola on June 25th. That's sad. It all changed when Jackson's doctor, Conrad Murray, burst into the kitchen calling for Jackson's son as she was making lunch. Around 12 o'clock, 12, 12.10, Dr. Murray comes running down the stairs, comes into the kitchen screaming, hurry, go get prints, go get security. He's frantic. The house staff and the children prayed while paramedics tried to revive Michael Jackson. We're wondering what's going on. We, we, we come together in unity. We stand in a circle. We start holding hands and we start praying. You know, we're praying, dear God, please let Mr. Jackson be okay. It didn't work. I see paramedics running up the stairs and security skipping stairs, running up the stairs. You know, this is, you know, at that point, you could feel the energy change. It's like a dustbuster running in the background at the end well, of it. She's trying to catch up. Why do they have to pray in a circle? Is, is there some rule that God only pays attention to if you're in certain geometric patterns? Like if you're in a parallelogram or something, he's not going to, no, 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 I'm sorry, my child. I uh, Now I have to kill everybody in your family. We should get, uh, what's her name? Loretta Ray Worthington or whatever her name is, the faith healing jackasses. We should, uh, uh, we should get them to, we should get them on speed dial and every time we need something, we should have them pray for it. You know what I mean? Like if I got a bunion. Or something, or like a like a hangnail that I can't quite get rid of. We can just call them up and have them. But then again, I guess it wouldn't work. Uh, so the Jackson thing is that he comes into the kitchen and he's like, "Get Prince or get the get the kid." But shouldn't he be upstairs calling nine one one and then like you know doctoring? Yeah. Should yes. I mean, it's weird so that do he. Do we know? So so someone was sent to something. He, he got rid of a bunch of files. Do we know if Michael Jackson was like cold? Well, this when, so when the paramedics got there, I see, and I don't know. There's conflicting stories. So Roop hopefully will be able to shed some light on this. Jim Roop will talk to him at eight twenty. But I, uh, and he's in L.A., so he's I think got some of the latest. But I, I guess the theory is this is just just speculation, mind you, that some people went to the doctor's storage unit a couple hours before Jackson's nine one one call, and they were seen sticking a bunch of boxes of documents in a car and like speeding away. So the the then speculation is. They realized something was wrong, and the doctor, then theoretically, the doctor said, uh, oh, wow, uh, my goose is going to be cooked. Uh, let's, let's shred all that stuff. Sends the, the women pick stuff up. They take it, and they hide it somewhere, and then he waits the appropriate amount of time, then calls 911 once he's sure that everything incriminating is gone. That is the theory, mm. uh, which, of course, is just a theory. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it sounds like it could happen. 
Meanwhile, a Michael Jackson's burnt hair from the Pepsi commercial of the 1980s will magically be turned into diamonds. We're going to reduce Michael Jackson's hair to pure carbon. We create diamonds from hair. We have Michael Jackson's hair. It would almost be remiss of us not to make a diamond to offer that to the world. He would be just cheating the I'm world. I'm so confused. <laughs> meanwhile, Joe Jackson... No, 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 no. <laughs> no, there's Can no meanwhile. Like, no, no. We have to... <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Is it going to be like one diamond? He, he hasn't specified how many diamonds he could possibly make for the Why do they hair. have Michael? Ja how do they have Michael Jackson's that hair? That is a good question. That part of the story is Wait, not being questioned. If his hair was burned, and it's burned that, mean, that wouldn't exist. Exactly. That's exactly what it's going to have. What do you mean? Have they have his burnt hair? That, that doesn't make that any is the claim from this diamond maker. But I mean, if it's burned, it's gone. It's it's it it, it, it you know it was burned. I just keep saying it's the only same thing. Over. A little bit. It's singed. Yes. How how would they have his hair? And how would you have enough to make diamonds? Doesn't it take like a big lump of coal to make a little itty bitty diamond? Do we they have any friends? Do we have hair. any? Do we have any friends in the diamond business that we might contact? <laughs> <laughs> really, the I wish everybody could see the expression on Tim's face right after he uttered that line. You know what your expression was immediately after that phrase, Tim? That was the "Ain't I a card." Uh, and you are. All right. Well, wait a minute. We're not going to ask. I'm not dropping this story. I'm, I'm finding out more. We are not going to call. We are not going to call the, our friend in the diamond business and the, ask about making Michael Jackson's hair into diamonds. That would be morning show material. Yes, it would. <laughs> this is the TV commercial producer <laughs> who filmed Michael Jackson's hair catching on fire. And I said to myself, let's make that into a gem. He has sold Michael Jackson's hair to be turned into diamonds. Chicago's a light gem. What are you gem. talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm expanding on this story. Okay. The, the commercial producer who filmed Michael Jackson's hair catching on fire during the Pepsi commercial has sold Michael Jackson's hair to be turned into diamonds. You keep saying the same thing over and over this again. Life no Gem, more. which specializes in creating diamonds from individual hair samples, they've done this before, plans to sell a limited collection made from the king of pop's hair. Is it really necessary to know it's a limited collection? I mean, there isn't an infinite supply of burned Michael Jackson hair in a drawer. In stores. <laughs> and if you call now, uh, how did he get his hair? I don't know. Did he? That's another question. Did Ralph he rush Cohen, out like pick it up with tweezers? I'm going to answer that. Ralph Cohen, the executive producer for the Pepsi commercial, was among the first to reach Jackson when his hair was on fire. Cohen threw his jacket over Jackson's head to help extinguish the flames. As Jackson was being rushed off the stage and to the hospital. Cohen instinctively picked up the charred lock of hair and put it in his pocket where it remained undisturbed for 25 years. It's been in a pocket for 25 years. <laughs> that is the claim here. So let me understand this. So he the, uh, found a the, uh, hank of hair in a pocket in a coat that he presumably hadn't had on for two decades. Yes. And came to the conclusion it was Michael Jackson's. And he needed to make diamonds out of it immediately. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Hey, the, by the way, just the, 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 apropos, I guess, of this... We need to replace our Jackson watch theme at, uh, because it doesn't really work. Can you? This is uh, so everybody. You know, if you listen to the show, you know we have uh, themes for various news segments. For like, we have a Taser theme for a Taser watch. We have a uh, uh, you know for uh, a song for a Grave watch and one for a Snuff watch and Clown watch and Tanya watch and whatever Cannibal watch. So we have uh, a song for our Jackson watch that we've used for a long time. Let's, let's just go ahead and.
I feel so awful about this now. And you can all put that together yourself. But uh, the, uh, So that doesn't really work anymore. So we need to find some sort of Jackson Watch uh, theme. And I don't know how we're going to do it. We'll have to come up with That's that. That's true, because this news is not going to stop. No, I mean, there's, I mean really, it's, it's just... It's just going to keep on going. Endless. I mean, they're making diamonds out of it's his hair. It's been a month and a half, and now somebody's yeah making diamonds out of his hair. I love the idea that, that it just... I mean, how would it have sat in the coat for 25 years? That doesn't make any sense. That there's there's the fundamental underpinnings of this story do not hold. All right. Uh, well, there's, there's coming up at eight o'clock. We have Facebook poetry. And then Michael Jackson's secret love child. Is it true? <sighs> we'll find out. This is not Joseph Scruz. This is somebody else. All right. Facebook poetry at eight. More coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 and Jim Root from CNN at eight twenty. The Rick Emerson Show live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. UFO, Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. Facebook poetry coming up here in just a uh, few moments. Tim Riley, what are some of the exciting stories that we're following for the good people of Portland? Well, the excessive weather warning continues. Temperatures may hit 99 degrees. We do have a chance to break PGE electrical usage records today if we try hard enough. And eat plenty of peppers and salsa and cool that body down today. And don't worry about pee in pools. It won't hurt you. That's what they say. Just make you itchy. By the way, should we? Uh, can we take a moment to clarify this business of the dam that you said you were going to explain to me? Because I was asking how it is that we can run out of power if we have a constant source of energy, which is coming <clears throat> from the river, right? Because it turns the turbines or the something or other. There are dams on the Columbia, Bonneville, etc. PGE's coal-burning plant in Boardman, the BPA nuclear power plant at Hanford, several new natural gas generators like the one at Klatskamai, and uh, many other small dams to numerous dimensions. So, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> Got a thing there. So it's not just that there's one. So it's one dam and then a series of smaller dams that are sort of. So it's, there's some sort of a. Uh, they spread it all out. So it's it's like a, it's uh, it's distributed the draw for the power. Yes. All right. All right. Because otherwise it just because it doesn't make any sense. Then I have to just blame California for everything, which I will do anyway. Uh, coming up at eight twenty, we have seen a radio correspondent James Rupp will be joining us to give us more on the uh, Michael Jackson situation. It's time for another exciting edition of. Facebook poetry, ladies and gentlemen, on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Cindy says, It's hotter than Tom Selleck running on the beach chasing a frisbee. Tom is trying to book a flight to Antarctica. Is that Tom Selleck? Yes, yes, exactly <laughs> it is. Jeffrey is paying the bills and listening to John Mayer. 800 octane 
is aroused. Jennifer says, Did you just become a fan of killing hippies? We're going to have to have words. Sean says, Rest in peace, adventure hat. You were a great hat to me. You will be missed. Tom says, My fat, drunk, hairy, gross, disgusting hillbilly neighbor is running around in speedos. The heat is bad enough, but this is cruel and unusual punishment. I am scrubbing my eyes with Brillo. Torres says, My eyes are on fire with passion, excitement, and lack of sleep. Mike says, I am on day puke patrol all day long. Mr. Moomoo is reading Oscar Wilde while smoking in bed and listening to the Tinder sticks. His mood is angsty. Lindsay will not be waiting by the phone. Lindsay is taking it on the run. Jeff must finally admit his love of meth-mouthed girls. And Cat says, Libras need things to be out of balance so that at least we have something. This has been another exciting installment of Facebook Poetry on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop and another update on Hotpocalypse 2009 with Tim Riley. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show. So it's a combination of improv and house cleaning. On Rock 101, KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunion, sir. This is Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Coming up here in just moments, we have seen a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, joining us from Los Angeles. He'll give us the uh, latest on the Michael Jackson case. And then also, because there's some breaking news, I think, that is uh, that has just come out about Michael Jackson. And then he's going to uh, follow up on the, the look-alike sperm bank thing that we were talking about yesterday. Uh, incidentally, did you see this... Uh, this clip of Anderson Cooper when he was filling in for Regis Philbin? I did not. Is it recent? Uh, it's. It, I think it's just it the last day or so. So uh, Anderson Cooper is filling in, uh, filling in for Regis Philbin, and it, it, they had Jillian Harris, and she was um, this season. She was the girl on The Bachelorette this season. But he uh, kind of. I was going to say he drills her, but he uh, he asked her this question about how many guys on the show she had uh, relations with. Let's see if I can uh, if I can get this to uh, to play. So this is uh, Anderson Cooper filling in for uh, Regis Philbin, and he's asking her how many guys on the show she's she slept with. Like, like how many do you actually sleep with? And so he asked this question, and it's like nobody on the panel had even considered that somebody might want to know that. 
Um, and he just the great thing about Anderson Cooper is he just doesn't care, so he just blurts it right out. This is uh, she's Jillian Harris, and she is from this season's uh, Bachelorette. Okay. And so he just asks her because the deal is there's like ten guys or whatever, you know, and then it goes down to you know five and two and one. And so he just asked her he, how many of the guys she slept with, which is a great question because it presumes that she obviously slept with at least some of them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wait a minute. You, you, she had... sex life first, oh. oh wait, you brisked up this guy in oil on national TV, and you're shocked at that question? It was his hot. It was aloe vera. I don't really want to know. But... I kissed, I kissed um, ten guys, but only four with tongue. She's a class act, sir. Wow. You know what? I just threw up on my <laughs> So there you go. There's uh, Anderson Cooper. I love Anderson Cooper. I really, uh, he's quite something. He's one of my very favorite people. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen, CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How's life in the big city? It was good. You okay? You sound like you have a sore throat or something. Uh, I'm okay. I just, uh, last week... Uh, I had a little bit of a I had kind of a head cold meets allergies kind of a thing, and we I was actually sort of over it and on the road to Wellville, and then on Tuesday night we had uh, Motley Crue was here, so we had this the Crue Fest, which is you know it's like seven bands or something. It was just all night long, as rocking into the wee hours, and then also it was 110 degrees yesterday. And it's going to be 101 today, and so everybody is sort of dehydrated and uh, it rocked out as the uh, as, as the case may be. So it's it's been a bit of a trying week and a half for my immune system and my body. But other than that, I'm playing through the pain. The weekend is just a day away. That's what I'm saying. You know what? It's, it's, you know, we, uh, we come and we uh, we come here and we execute everything we do without error, sir, because that's what the people need. Let me ask you about, well, first of all, did you read this guy who's making diamonds out of Michael Jackson's hair? Yeah, I heard about that. I wasn't really aware that that was a thing you could do and also that there would be a guy who just, as he put, the best part is how, is this hair that was burned when Michael Jackson was filming that Pepsi commercial? And as the guy explained it, he just had a hank of Michael Jackson's hair, not like in a bag, in a safe, in a drawer somewhere. It was just sitting in his coat pocket for twenty years, and it just occurred to him, "Hey, wait a minute! Don't I uh, don't I have some of Michael Jackson's burned hair in one of my jackets? Let me go look." And he found that they're going to be cranking diamonds out of it. Well, for those who buy them, you're stupid. <laughs> The assessment of the assessment of Jim Roop. Do we have? Is it uh, now? Is it true that uh, we have? There's a custody decision that's been made in the Jackson thing. There is an agreement, uh, the details of which have not been disclosed. However, the lawyer for Catherine Jackson said that Debbie Rowe uh, agreed not to challenge uh, custody. That uh, Catherine Jackson will retain custody of all three kids. Debbie Rowe is not receiving any money other than the spousal support to which she and Jackson agreed when he was alive. Uh, and uh, that's all we know right now. We understand that the tales will be released today, but uh, that's going to shorten the hearing on Monday, thank goodness. Well, here's a, a question that, I mean, the, I mean, not to be morbid about it, but I mean, Catherine Jackson's not a young woman. I mean, her and Joe Jackson are both in their 70s, I think. So, I, is it, but is it, is it like a chain of command sort of a thing where, so if she's got custody, but Debbie Rojas visitation, that uh, someday when, when she is no longer with us, that then the kids go to, to Debbie Rowe, or do we get to, uh, is this whole thing going to reenact itself in, you know, however many years? I don't know. In the will, it says Diana Ross is next in line. Are you so, kidding me? Really? What it says, if Catherine Jackson refuses or cannot for some reason uh, support or, or take the kids, then uh, and, uh, Diana Ross was named. 
That, as, uh, as the second in command. Do you have to have somebody? This is this is great. This is like when you read those things where it's like the, the, where the, the secretary of agriculture or something is like 14th in line to be president. Do you have to have somebody's permission to do that? Like, could I just say, like, if I if I had kids, which to the relief of everyone, I, I do not. If I had kids, though, could I just say, like, look, in the event that I, uh, you know, my uh, death or incapacitation, uh, Jim Roop will become the custody, the custodian of my children. Could I just pay or, you know, Liza Minnelli will take care of my kids. You don't need permission from that the, that person. They can refuse it, um, but uh, usually there is some sort of communication. Hey, I'm going to put you in my will. Will that be all right? Because the last thing you want is someone to say, "What? Eh, I don't want them." I think everybody should start putting That's in their will. Manelli would say, by the way, <laughs> but she, but it wouldn't be that audible. It wouldn't be that audible or intelligible. I think everybody, we should start a trend where, like, you know, in your will, you have, like, you know, the godfather of your kids, and then you have, like, the, you know, whoever the backup person is. But, like, third in line ought to be Carrot Top. And just see if we can get everybody in the world uh, to make Carrot Top third in line to, you know, have custody of their kids. Just to, you know, just to see if we can sort of. Somebody rich, man. Donald Trump. You know, just, yeah, or, you know, Hugh Hefner. Just somebody somebody to screw with the order of things a little bit. Uh, And then then the final thing is so this, this deal with the cardiologist. So, where are we at now? Now with because there's so many threads to this whole scheme. Where now they're saying that there was a, some women and they were going, they were getting documents out of his storage unit, and he, the Jackson. They're speculating he might have died long before the nine one one call. That what, what, here's here, here's what we know. We know that in search warrants in Texas served last week. Uh, it is noted in there that Dr. Conrad Murray is under investigation for manslaughter, and they took some documents from his storage facility and his offices in Houston. Then yesterday, they spent nine hours at his Las Vegas home, and they took six or seven boxes of evidence, supposed evidence or possible evidence, from, from there. And he is, according to federal investigators, the only one they're quote-unquote looking at uh, as far as this investigation goes, even though they've subpoenaed documents from several other doctors. What we have heard, and we don't know for sure, about all the financial troubles that Dr. Conrad Murray had. Back, uh, you know, $100,000 laid on, on mortgage payments, um, $700,000 worth of student loans he's not paid back. I mean, lots of debt, and that's the reason why he may have taken the job. Uh, we, we have, uh, you know, $13,000 in back child support. So there's lots of issues surrounding this doctor that we're hearing about, but we've only confirmed what I just told you. And so it, it, whatever it is, I mean, and excuse the verbiage from the West Coast, but this dude's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, and I mean, I realize now, I mean, there's so much that has happened just in the last few weeks. I remember now just within 24 hours or something of Jackson dying, we were already hearing reports about, like, they were towing his car away and, like, they were looking for the doctor, but it was like he was lamming it somewhere, like nobody could find him. So it seems like early on he was a, a, a person of uh, of interest. So he, he knew, uh, the, I, he must have known something bad was coming. I mean, whether or not he ends up being guilty of anything, obviously from the yeah. get-go. you know. No, he, and, and you're right, we were hearing that. Um, it was several hours before he decided to call 911. In fact, we're hearing that he went to find Prince Michael, Michael's oldest child, to bring him up to the bedroom to show him he was doing CPR. It's almost as if to get proof. Oh, that's somehow. creepy. That's so creepy. Really? That that does sound that, a lot like... I, that, now, wait a minute. That's just what I heard. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I haven't confirmed that, but that's what... That's, those are more rumors. And that, oh, wow. But, I mean, if... The, the chef and all those people in the... Uh, 
and the house is saying, you know, it took forever for this guy to to call nine one one. So I mean, so it's just you know, it's just, yeah, as you said, just speculations. Not not you know, there's no confirmation on that. But I mean, but that, but just just the thought of that. I mean, just if it's just the the, the, the possibility. That that's just so creepy to me. Just the the idea uh, that that might have happened. That it's a whole lot of like, hey, look at me doing life saving measures. I mean, that's just even the notion of that. Whether or not it has any any truth to it is just this makes my skin and, crawl. And the secret love child we're hearing about today. Ugh, it's, uh... yeah, yeah, the other one that Joe Jackson says, oh yeah, that's Michael's kid. Oh yeah, he, he looks like a Jackson. He acts like a Jackson. He can dance like a Jackson. I mean, Joe Jackson just cracks me up, man. That guy has no filter whatsoever. No, he's he's like a walking. Ear. He really is. He's just an external. Life. Well, isn't that good? Joe Jackson himself has a love child. There's a there is another there's a Jackson uh, brother, I believe, who Joe Jackson had with a groupie for the Jackson five. Uh, and that's and I, and I forget if, if his, uh, what age we're talking about. But this was back in the 70s, I think. So it's all, you know, yeah, that guy. It, and as we were saying earlier, I think Joe Jackson's a guy who feels the spotlight is sort of starting to drift away from him, which is why he seems to be inserting himself back in front of it over and over again. It's just a, it's a world of lunatics, Jim Roop. All right. You're the last sane man on Earth. Beautiful. It really is. Well, you know what? Without that, I'd just be here uh, giving gardening tips. Nobody wants that. All right. Have a, a fantastic day, my friend. We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. Here you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, Los Angeles. All right, Tim Riley, we come back. We'll have more news, including our continuing coverage of Hotpocalypse 2009. At this juncture in your life, you will have an opportunity to win a four-pack of tickets uh, to the Demolition Derby, which is happening at the Washington County Fair this Sunday. Gates open 6 p.m. Action starts at 7 p.m. But if you are caller 10 right now, 503-228-4101. You can grab yourself a four-pack of those tickets right now. Straight ahead, more from Tim Riley. And uh, coming up at 9, it smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. Don't forget, tomorrow, Ron Livingston of Office Space, Sex in the City, and swingers fame as well as uh, uh, Brian Bat from Mad Men that's coming up tomorrow. We're back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show live from downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Why am I an alcoholic? I haven't an epping clue. This is Rock 101 KUFO. from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I wish we had more time to talk about that. What is the name of that uh, that seminar, Sarah? We just Cracking sort of, the man code. We just... I, oh, I rue that we just discovered this. I so, know, because I totally would have gone. So somebody we know uh, is going to some seminar... I guess it's for chicks that can't keep a guy. Is that the deal? The six and a half secrets to manifesting and getting the love you deserve. Uh-huh. Do you really want to know what motivates men? Are you tired of attracting the wrong kind of man? Do you want more love, time, and attention from your man? Do you want to know what... Uh, are you ready to manifest the relationship you've always wanted? Are you a shrill, unlikable harpy? I'm sorry, that was that's my artist rendering of that. I That's not really the... All right. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior with continuing coverage of Hot Hotpocalypse 2009. It's Tim Riley. And shows non-stop coverage of Hotpocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 844. An excessive heat warning remains in effect. Temperatures could top out to 99 degrees. Portland's high temperature yesterday, 106. It got up to 108 degrees in the Couve, one of the hot spots. 
Portland is the second best city in the country to start a business. That from a new magazine article. Why is it so great? Well, government incentives, population growth, affordable rent, and how well ideas are received. Las Vegas is number one. Oregon's beaches are clean by national standards, but there are still some high fecal points. Harris Beach, <laughs> Mill Beach of Brookings, and Sunset Bay State Beach in Coos Bay, all contaminated by some degree thanks to failed septic systems and proper sewerage and pet feces. I wasn't really aware that we were going to be. I would um, obviously move from the area um, of the feces and um, make sure I tell the correct um, authorities about the situation. Pardon me, fecal patrol? Yes, no, I've got an incident. I need you to uh, take care of in Lincoln City, stat. PG reports new records have been set for power consumption. By 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, about 3,743 megawatts of power had been used, breaking Tuesday's record. Today, we have to meet the 1998 record of 4,073 megawatts. Together, we can make it happen. Okay, everybody makes the, the, the gigawatt thing, you know, yeah. the Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to have a new unit of measurement, the hellawatt. Like, if you have to use, like, a lot during, like, when the apocalypse comes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's like 1,000 degrees every day, and you go, this is going to take 15.5 hellawatts to cool. Incidentally, according to, uh, now, according to my, because, you know, on, the, on the, 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 what's on the Mac, there's, like, this desktop thing, a widget or whatever they call it. It just shows you the temperature outside. So, apparently, it's 73 and sunny mm-hmm. right now. Uh, they claim 101, so it's down from 110. So everybody's revising downward, it seems. So we're in the 100-degree uh, ballpark. Then 92, 92, these are the next few days, 92, 92, 90, and then as of Monday, 92 again. But then Tuesday, it goes back to 85, allegedly. But there seems to be no rhyme or reason here. It's like they're just throwing some sort of dungeon master dice to try to figure out what the weather's going to be. It's going to be too hot still. Too hot. A Boston police officer has been placed on administrative leave for sending out a mass oh. email containing racist comments. Just, I hate to interrupt. Are you going to read the comment? I'm not. It's... Unless you want me to. No, I... Uh, mm. Probably not. I mean, and not... People, be, can, people can read it elsewhere. It's just... And it's not like they're PC or anything. It's just, it's just you know... It's just, just unpleasant. It's just, yeah. And it's just crap. It's just like, F him. And you know what? His, it's just a bunch of... It's just a bunch of horrific... I told Tim this morning... Mm. And you can say you can go online and read it. Whatever. I'm not trying to be the you know overly sensitive or whatever. But but he's some jackass bigot who who clearly just uh, you know uh, whatever. And there's no fix in that. So he wrote all this garbage and sent it out in a mass email. And so I'm just not going to give it any more any more exposure. But you can go online. You can look it up. So anyway, so I just I'm just saying I just told him I could not believe though yeah. that I was that I was reading it was just unbelievable it was I I just I did like a triple take when I read it I'm sorry Tim go ahead so now he's got on the TV to apologize I am sorry to, that I wrote that I'm sorry that my family has to deal with the selfish motivation and feelings that I had whatever friend are you a newbie or a total G if you're not even certain what this term means, the definitions can be found in the latest slang dictionary published today. According to USA Today, the dictionary defines slang words and expressions used by students in California universities and college students as well. Do you have a list of these words? I have a few here. All right, quiz. Let's quiz uh, ourselves on these. All right, okay. Tim. What we, is should, a, we should buzz in here. Okay, should we say our names? Buzz in with our names. Okay. I only have one here. Okay. What is a muffin top? Sarah. Rick? Yes. Wait, who who got it? I think I heard it before. Heard it. All right. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, fat above um, if you're wearing your pants too tight. That's correct. That is the flesh that hangs over the sides of too tight pants. Ugh. Which uh, you see really on, on a daily basis here. All right. And by the Not way, here in the studio. I, I mean, <laughs> oh like God. here in Portland. Like, thanks. No, I mean, <laughs> no. In, the, in, the, in the great Northwest. <laughs> 
A newbie is the equivalent <laughs> of a goofball. Not a new person who just started something. And a total G is an impressive person. Okay. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see what... Oh, did I tell you that the state's Democrats are taking credit for creating 3,236 new jobs here in the state of Oregon? A little research shows these jobs are only good for 35 hours. That's... Less than a week. I mean, not 35 hours a week. No. 35 hours total. 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 Wow. The price tag for this is a whopping $176 million. Ugh, on that note, let me, uh, one, I'll read this email, then we'll uh, do one bit of business, and then we'll wrap it up, make way for a good from Buzz. Don't forget, tomorrow, Ron Livingston, uh, Swingers Office Space, and then I totally forgot about this. He's in Band of Brothers. I don't know how I could have forgotten that. Uh, so he's in Band of Brothers as well. Uh, we will talk to Ron Livingston tomorrow. Also tomorrow, uh, we're going to talk to Brian Bat from Mad Men. He plays uh, Salvatore Romano on the third season of, well, on all the seasons, but the upcoming third season of Mad Men. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Monday, Mary Jo Botafuco and Mila Jovovich. Me uh, speaking with her uh, Monday as well. Okay, I'm going to read this uh, one email, uh, then this other thing, and then we will uh, clear out for Smells Like the 90s. This says, okay, th- a couple of days ago we were talking about the Radio TV interview report. Which, by the way, uh, Greg, is now going directly to Sarah. That's ending up in Sarah's mail slot upstairs. So Zinn is now delivering it directly to her. So I don't have to go to the meet, so I'm not going to spoil anything by looking at it. We talked about Damon Wilson, who played Lamont on Sanford and Son in the 70s. This email says, stay away from Damon Wilson. Rick, if you value your show, please to be never considering interviewing TV's Lamont of Sanford and Son fame. A few weeks before its cancellation, the Michael Mara show, which is a show that came out of uh, the East Coast, interviewed said Mr. Wilson. Holy Christ, not only was he totally combative and mean-spirited, he contradicted every word out of Mike's mouth, refused to answer even the most innocent questions about Sanford and Son, and wouldn't talk about Red Fox. What are you having that guy on for? Uh, He was, without a doubt, the biggest asshat they have talked to since they talked to David Cassidy a few years back. If you'd like to talk to a guy who who will endlessly pontificate about his church and ignore everything you say, though, feel free. Uh, signed Rick. P.S. Did I mention he was self-absorbed and rude? Thought I'd let you know. So you go. So uh, apparently the, today's uh, see Greg saying sounds like a perfect mystery guest. Well, if only I hadn't seen that. I guess you could always spring him on me, like make me think that it's going to be, uh, you know, like the woman who played Vera on Alice, and then Damon Wilson. Uh, don't forget this Friday, Friday at 9 a.m. is part of KUFO's half-off sale. That is tomorrow at 9 a.m. You can get a $50 gift certificate to Cafe Allegro for half-off. It's $25. So $25 will get you $50. It is a $50 certificate to dine at Cafe Allegro in the heart of Old Town Tigard, serving authentic gourmet cuisine in a cozy bistro setting with salads, hearty pastas, calzones, pizza, and more. That is a $50 gift certificate uh, for half-off for $25 starting tomorrow at 9 a.m. at KUFO. Dot com, part of KUFO's half-off sale. And if you are caller 10 right now, you'll pick up one of those before you can buy it. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101 for a half-off uh, certificate. Uh, you can buy those tomorrow for half-off at KUFO.com, but you can win one of those right now. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum and James Roop, as well as Willamette Week's Kelly Clark. Join us tomorrow when we'll talk to Ron Livingston uh, from uh, uh, Office Space Swingers Band of Brothers. Uh, we'll also talk... To Brian Bat from the upcoming uh, season three of Mad Men. Also tomorrow, True Blood predictions for Sunday night's episode. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler at the front desk. Uh, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan. Don't f with me, Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, it is Smells Like the Nineties with our good friend Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Thursday, July thirtieth, two thousand nine, and that is the frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye.
Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening. <laughs>